The thing is, you you kind of laying it out like that. If anything has made me like the film less, no problem. So now I'm just like, <laughs> no what problem. lazy writing this film has. It just follows this template. Yeah, but you can't. You can't. <laughs> it's not lazy. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. We are tonight's entertainment. Is that good. Yes, I know who I am. Did IQs just drop shot? I could have been. I, I have a plan. I like this All shit. Is. This is lost will. You know it's Dance off, bro. It is your destiny. Welcome to the Atlantic Screen Connection Podcast. Let the games begin. Welcome to the Atlantic Screen Connection podcast with Jason and Lee. I'm Jason. I'm Lee. And this week we're going to be visiting the world of Kong because Lee and I both went to see Kong Skull Island. That's right. But we have a little caveat with that. We're going to be actually not necessarily comparing it to Godzilla, but we're going to be pairing it because they are now in a shared universe. Yeah. But mm-hmm. we're not going to be alone on a little adventure. We're going to be accompanied by the excessively funny duo from the Nerd on Nerd podcast, Liam Underwood and Jack Kempster. How are you guys doing, gentlemen? Good. I'm good. Very well, thank you. How are you? Uh, I'm good. <laughs> you know, the, the no. point of the show is we never ask Jason how he is. He asks me, and then he just no. starts talking. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly how that goes. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Uh, so I'm going to check in with Lee at the same time. How are you doing, sir? Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm grand. Uh, this is kind of... We, we, we've been doing a little bumper episode uh, this week because we have a, another show. Got uh, like a spin-off kind of thing we were working on. And so I, I, it's 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 like it's been like three and a half straight hours of podcasting right now. So I am so ready to to get to the main event. Uh, I've been excited. I've been thinking about Kong all week. God help me. Uh, <laughs> and uh, all all the rest is is background noise. My relationship is in is is in flames. It's all it's all a whirlwind of disaster. So it's it's going well, Jason. Thanks for asking. <laughs> Excellent. How are you, man? Uh, actually, I don't know. Hey, is there a snowstorm that's announced for tonight, Ben? Oh, yeah. Oh, cool. Oh, well, you know what? I'm going to really keep my fingers crossed for a snowstorm to boil over into tomorrow. That way I can keep my family home with me to have a like large breakfast. The kids don't have to go to school. Cool. Girlfriend would be too dangerous for the road. It'd be awesome to have like a, a weekend <laughs> on the weekday. Perfect. Uh, other than that, I'm doing kind of good i guess i have a lot of grading to do this week because it's actually reading week at the college and so i have to sit through a bunch of fucking papers uh that i don't particularly feel like reading anyway moving on i want to know what liam was up to this week um that's a great question my week has actually been pretty laid back for once i went up to you know that 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 london um (laughs) saw a a stage show of um oh what's it called the the incident with the dog in the nighttime oh yeah the mis- the, the curious incident of the dog in the nighttime that's the one mm. yeah that's it um that was good did you ever read the book uh, like ages ago yeah and i couldn't remember any of it so the the show was all new to me was it any good i like i like when i remember reading it in school i i remember being interested in it because of that swearing in it and uh, that was new and then absolutely losing interest <laughs> beyond that point yeah uh and, and well, it's, never touching on it again uh, it's interesting that the book is like written from the perspective of someone with asperger's yeah yeah so that's interesting the way they managed to get that on stage and it was quite a minimalist set design but they did a lot with it cool so from that sort of perspective it was interesting but it it was the sort of thing where it it wasn't like brilliant it was just 
good. The only other shows that I've seen sort of in the last year or so was uh, Book of Mormon and yes. uh, Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. And they're in just like such a different league that you can't really compare the, the different shows. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, yeah, exactly. I've seen Book of Mormon and I, I remember listening to you on your show talk about Cursed Child. Uh, it's so expensive and hard to get into right now. It's, there's no fucking way I'll be seeing it for a long time. <laughs> yeah, that is the issue. But yeah, um, apart from that, I've just been getting really annoyed with Tesco's. Why? Why? Oh, uh, well, we should explain because we have a cross international exactly uh, so, participant and and um, audience. For Tesco's is the supermarket brand. Yeah, like a, like a huge grocery store. Yeah, and they've they've started doing this thing recently where there'll be like a little stand and it will say free fruit for children. And I don't understand why there's that caveat there because <laughs> I get hungry when I shop as well. And every single time I see it, it just really riles me up because. <laughs> Like, all I want when I'm shopping is just to be, like, munching on a banana or something. And it's like they're teasing me. They're like, it's here. But I I know if I take a banana, none of the staff are probably going to say anything. Yeah, right. But I am going to get such judgmental looks from all of the other shoppers that it's not worth it. (laughs) Sure. I mean, like, if if you've got that itch, can't you go up to, like, the deli counter and find, like, a sample or something and then that kind of do it, I guess? It's not the same as a banana, though, is it? You could just buy a banana, though, Liam. Wait, so you want me to go, go start my shopping, stop my shopping, go to buy a banana... Eat it and then resume my shopping. Or, or Why don't would start I do your that? shopping. Walk in, buy a banana, then do your shopping. Why do the kids get it for free? Because they're kids. And the kids get it for free? Yeah. I don't know. My mom used to give us like a like a. We'd walk in and I'd say we were hungry because that's what kids do. They see food around and they're like, "Hey, I want that in my mouth." And so I figured that you know my my mom used to buy like I don't know a fruit or a, a bag of peanuts or something like that because we are not allergic compared to this generation and the uh she would just just essentially keep the bag or the 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 peel or the wrapper or whatnot or just the core of the apple and say he had one of these yeah i've seen at the end when you're checking out they'd actually just charge you for whatever the fuck it is chances are if they just charge you for the peel it's not as bad though liam isn't it (laughs) i mean that that is definitely an option but equally (laughs) The fact that there's free fruit available, I'm just too old for it, winds me up. (laughs) (laughs) I suppose it's just, if there's a way to keep kids to shut the fuck up when you do your shopping... I wholeheartedly encourage it. Realistically, if any any adult... Goes into the, could go into the shop and just get like maybe if you had like a Tesco's special fruit member card and you know like but you could, that then you're going down a really weird avenue where you have way too much time on your hands. <laughs> Definitely, but equally, if you ask my girlfriend, she'd be very happy if there was a way to shut me up when we're shopping. <laughs> so you know, it would be nice to have to. Because it's not just bananas, they have apples, oranges. Now, oranges, I don't understand because they're a messy fruit to eat. Sure, and I feel yes, like. They are. Giving those for free to children is just asking for all sorts of problems. Yeah, yeah I get that. Yeah. But yeah, it's it just every time I see it, it just really riles me for some reason. What a week. <laughs> that's my week, yeah, sorry. Terrible, yeah. What about Ooh. you, Jack? Any any produce that's pissing you off? <laughs> I'm just furious at grapefruits, guys. Furious. <laughs> you know, I find myself often in the same position. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've 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 not been doing a whole lot. I've been to the cinema a lot because you know I went and saw Kong at the cinema. I saw Logan finally. Awesome. Oh yeah, cool. Oh cool. Did How'd you... you like that? Yeah, I I I thought it was a really good film. Like I listened to your guys' podcast on Logan, and oh, yeah, yeah. Sort of 
That sounded like we were setting up to uh, like something to get you to praise our show. <laughs> oh, oh, Jack, no, what did no, you no, think of Logan? <laughs> it's because it feels like uh, I don't understand what the fuck was wrong with you guys because that was a really good movie. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm, I'm, I'm aware that I'm a little bit broken when it comes to things because I tend to just. Uh, that's not true. You hate Mumblecore. I hate Mumblecore. That's fair. It's a horrible genre. It shouldn't exist. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so you, you liked Logan? Yeah, I, I thought it was I thought it was pretty good. It's be- I mean, to be fair, we've come out of the two Wolverine Origins films, so pretty much anything they did that wasn't another one of them was going to be better. Again, I, I, I don't think I said it on the episode, but um, I will always be an X-Men Origins apologist. Uh, oh, really? It, like, it is the perfect drinking game. Oh, that's yeah. fair. Oh, that's fine. I'm okay with that. I thought you were going to tell me that you like super love. Oh, what they like did it's an Deadpool. actual good film. Oh, yeah, Jesus, no. <laughs> I was really worried. Uh, yeah, no, it's 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 specifically a terrible film, but it's yeah. terrible in the good way. Like like the Twilight first Twilight film. Uh, you know, it's kind of like entertaining per second. Uh, so I like, like that film. Yeah, exactly. I, I've seen Twilight countless times, and it's it's never been good, but it is no, very entertaining. I know. I I just I enjoy it. For, for all of the like not not because I, I i enjoy it and i like it's a bad movie way i just yeah, li- love Kristen stewart liam just and, loves Twilight. Yo, yeah that's not a good that's not a good excuse that's that's not that's not fine at all <laughs> yeah i i don't have an excuse for it i just like she's I, I she's good at a it. lot of good films <laughs> watch them <laughs> that is true and you know i love her in Adventureland and into the wild those sort of films but also you know those don't have robert pattinson's eyebrows on fleek there you go yeah did you say you like you like the into the wild yeah yeah with emil hirsch yeah. okay cool He's... i hate that fucking movie. you hate into the wild what? i really like it too oh i i clapped when that guy died at the <laughs> oh yeah no i mean he deserves it but that doesn't make it a bad movie <laughs> Oh, I hated it. I, I felt like Sean Penn was preaching to me. I was like, look at how, you know, you're supposed to be a good person. And you're like, Shut it does the have that up, element to it. What the hell are you talking about? Yeah, yeah. I... Anyway, so I had trouble with that movie the entire time. When he when he was eating those berries, I was like, I had my fingers crossed. He was going to fucking choke. <laughs> <laughs> I get that. I mean, uh, my fiance, she was absolutely the same. Like, I don't get it. This is a horrible person. I like Maria. She's cool. <laughs> this is a horrible person. Get her on the show. But like, at the same time, she was... She kind of got the point by the end and then kind of went, you know what, that was a good film. I just, I thought he was never going to get what he deserved. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So shall we get on with it? Yeah, let's, let's do it. All right. So now we're going to move on to Kong Skull Island. Stay tuned. Hey guys, this is JD from the Incession Film Podcast. Every week on our show, you can join my co-host Brendan and I as we review the latest films that's out in theaters. It also inspires us to discuss a top three list of some sort, and we have a lot of other fun movie discussions as well. It's always a blast. And we also have a show on Fridays called our Extra Film Podcast. This is a show that gives us the space to talk about the latest indies and art films and other classics that we normally just don't get to talk about on our main show. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, SoundCloud, TuneIn Radio, Player FM, and more. In fact, you can just see everything about us, including our social medias at IncessionFilm.com. So join us every week. We'd absolutely love to have you. Every week on Real Spoilers, what we do is we take that week's big release on the weeks that we guess right, and we spoil it for you. So if you saw a movie and you want to talk about it with your friends, but maybe maybe you don't have any friends, we can be your friends in podcast form. We'll talk about the movie in rich, 
vibrant detail, and it's kind of like a book club for movies. Yeah, we're so, just a bunch of movie nerds. Yeah, and you know? so it's just a long-form conversation about the movie, going through its plot, talking about what worked, and uh, a lot of times what didn't, and making fun of it when it doesn't work. And if you like the show, feel free to share it on uh, your Facebook, social media, Twitter, verse, thing, stuff. So that's what we do on Real Spoilers. It's like a book club for movies, only with less Oprah. An uncharted island. Let me list all the ways you're going to die. Rain, heat, disease-carrying flies. And we haven't started on the things that want to eat your life. Hey, Sheila. We'll double that. Plus a bonus if we make it back. If? In this sturdy old part of the city Where the sun refused to shine Is that a monkey? live below us i call them skull crawlers why because it sounds neat okay look i just made that name up i'm trying to scare you i'm fine calling them that are you cool with that yeah that, that seems like i good. like that the name like Run! So welcome back. We hope that you enjoyed the trailer for Kong Skull Island, film that stars John Goodman, Sam Jackson, Tom Hiddleston, Brie Larson, Toby Kebbell, and John C. Riley. So, gentlemen, what did you guys think of Tom Hiddleston's audition for James Bond? Liam? I thought he was the only one that was really miscast in this film. And I, I I enjoyed the film. I didn't enjoy Tom Hiddleston in it. I thought he was all wrong for this film. That seems fair. Yeah, yeah, I get that. Like nobody's actually out of character, so, or out of the depth of their character as much. I mean, I use the word character lightly. Uh, other than Tom Hiddleston, who like he seems horribly miscast as a adventurous buff, cool guy. Yeah, and I was expecting some like sort of like grizzled army vet who's you know like been through a couple of wars or whatnot and didn't get that like tom hiddleston to me seemed like the kind of guy that would more likely explore a golf course than an <laughs> island 
<laughs> he did seem like a kind of drunk guy who maybe made up stories if you really want to read into it, but I don't think that was what they mm-hmm. were going for. They they really right. wanted him to be uh, the newest, coolest. Uh, he reminded me of uh, Chris Pratt in Jung- Jurassic World. You know, just like, hey, he's a cool guy. Oh, man, you're so like, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, I just... I, I didn't I didn't mind Chris Pratt in Jurassic World as a thing, whereas I did mind Tom Hiddleston. In Fair this. enough. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Jack? Uh, I don't know. I agree with Liam on Tom Hiddleston, but then I disagree with Liam in that I thought this film was painfully average. <laughs> just, I, I don't know. The whole thing was just... I, li- I left and rung Liam immediately and was expecting to sort of bond with my friend over a joint sort of opinion on this yep. film, and I was horribly wrong. As you so often are. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Alright, so so Jack, you found out it was painfully average, Liam liked it. Lee? The, uh, yeah, I I genuinely didn't have a good time with this. <laughs> uh, I did, I, I went in with not any expectation, really. I, I kind of, I had seen the trailer, so I had, I guess I just, I thought it would be more fun. Uh, and I really found myself actually falling asleep throughout it. Uh, and I, there was a bunch of problems with that I found when it came to, like, pacing and stuff and editing that really, really detracted from the experience. Uh, that was in concept, uh, like, like I, I really like. I like the idea of the film. I like Kong. I like the island. I like that there's a bunch of people marooned there and they fight for survival. And there's something of a, like a, like a ambiguous morality tale going on between the people and the monkey I, or the ape. I mean, that seems perfectly fine as a concept. Why was it so dull and uninteresting in so many avenues uh, that I just couldn't recommend it to anybody afterwards? I, I don't know. <laughs> oh, I still rec- I still recommended it. You would recommend it? I, I, I wouldn't. There is an audience out there for that because I, I'm, I'm more with like Jack um, and, and Lee on this where I think it was, just, it was kind of boring. And the reason it was kind of boring for me is because I, I didn't give a shit about the characters, and I didn't give a shit about the apes. Sure. Just sitting there, kind of looking at a CGI fest. It felt like Transformers without the Transformers, in a sense. So it was a bit <laughs> weird for me. And like um, I, I know that you were on In Session, and you guys talked about the editing. And I agreed with Brendan and when he talked about how, uh, and I, maybe you as well, how it was Suicide Squad shit level of editing, where you're like, what the fuck is going on? Why? Yeah. There's so many weird instances. I mean, I caught myself looking for characters. And not in the sense that there are no characters in the movie. It's that, you know, when they separate into multiple groups? Mm. All right. Well, you have John Goodman's character that's supposed to be with uh, Sam Jackson's group. Is he not? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Okay. And at multiple points during the movie, he's nowhere to be found. He just kind of shows up when he's needed and then he fucks off. It was so weird because they're, they're kind of walking among like along the jungle and you're like, they're like four now. Weren't they seven? What the hell's going on? And then another person shows up and you're like, oh, there he is. What was he taking a nap someplace? That- was he like admiring the view? Is there something going on? There were so many people missing it. So many instances of the movie that I was like, what the fuck is going on? Where are they? So I don't know if it was budget restraints where they couldn't have John Goodman on a specific day or like it was a camera angle. It was like, go off for five minutes. We'll save it like three or four bucks off the salary. I don't have any idea how they fucking manage that. But it was weird. It was weird because you're not supposed to be looking for characters during the fucking movie. Yeah. So anyway. I, I mean, even that, like even looking for, I, you see, I thought you meant like looking for characters as in like characterization, you know, like. No, I, no, no. Like, that's, I was looking for characters. Yeah, because like, I, I don't think that was a necessity for this film. I, I think that uh, some people will get kind of pent up that there was no character, like there was no real 
you know, human being in this film. I think that's, I thought that was fine. I, there's piles of films that function with, with just like stand in people. Oh, yeah. It's when the film kind of wants it both ways. Uh, and, uh, and this, this wants it three ways. In this <laughs> yeah. It wants like deep characters. Occasionally it wants new characters often. And then it wants like, uh, this sort of, uh, this introspective human message at the end of it. I, I I don't know, man. I, that to me just sounds, it felt like a film that didn't know what the hell it was trying to be, and that makes yeah. that to me makes it hard to recommend because there's such a there's such a, a possibility that this will just land really badly. You know, I think yes, it definitely does have an audience, uh, and, and, and apparently that audience we have one of the members here. <laughs> right, me. You know, I don't want to sort of come on your show and be like, you guys are all wrong, but. <laughs> But <laughs> I disagree with nearly everything that's just been said. Like, okay, so with the looking for characters, I I did feel that sometimes with with the army guys that they were a bit kind of interchangeable, and it's like, okay, there's a group of them there. I don't really care, sort of who who is. Sure, I've right. got my main characters that I'm following. I I understood, you know, the two groups that split up, and that there were guys that were you know pretty obviously expendable within those groups. I was fine with that. I didn't really notice uh, John Goodman like disappearing for a I bit. I didn't either honest. until okay. Jason brought it up, and then I realized that I, there was literally half a movie I didn't see him in. Yeah, like, but oh, yeah. I think the reason why I didn't notice is because I was just having so much fun with it. Like right, from, from the moment that Kong shows up and just utterly destroys a load of helicopters, like from that moment onwards, I just had a blast. Like. I kind of went into this film hoping for a bit of a Lost World Jurassic Park kind of thing. Yeah, I get that. And I right. feel like it delivered on that. I, I, You know what? That's not a terribly unfair comparison. No. Jurassic Park 2, The Lost World? Yeah, Lost World yeah. Jurassic Park 2. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, wait, they're, they're on the island. You've got Vince Vaughn for some reason. And um, it's like a, you've got a group of hunters and then there's a group of like yeah, that's, dino that's, sort of saviors. Yeah, I ah, totally okay, get sorry, that. And that. I think that uh, that's a fair comparison I to like make Jurassic because too, that, that film also, though, I feel at times didn't know what it wanted to be. Not nearly as much as this film felt to me, but uh, certainly at points you're kind of like, uh, is it a send up of Jurassic Park? Is it a critique of Jurassic Park? Is it a return to form for Steven Spielberg to sort of go back to his more introspective stuff where he's kind of more slow build character base? And then yeah. in that case, why is the film sort of uneven? And like the the entire third act just feels like it's been ripped out of something else. Yeah. You've got like a, a T-Rex sort of stomping Exactly. It's like they didn't know what, what the film was, was, how to end this kind of slower uh, like parody almost of Jurassic Park, so yeah, and it, it felt almost a bit like uh, fan fiction. It was like, what would happen if a T Rex <laughs> made it to America? Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> I, like when you look which... at the production of it, it did turn out to be something like that. They kind of like they had that idea, and they just they didn't know where to put it, so they just sort of whabbed it in at the end. Uh, yeah. So I mean, I that I see the comparison in Kong. This I like it. It didn't. It didn't know what it wanted to be. If what it ended up being, I felt wasn't very interesting, <laughs> or like fun. You say you say fun. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's all I really wanted it to be. But it it felt like it kept wanting to be more than fun. It wanted to be like like show offy or 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 stylistic, and it tried to be. It had a pile of influences that. I won't. It's not my place to say whether you know here nor there whether they were uh, necessary or you know that they complemented what the director was going for. But at the same time, 
you were kind of, I, I felt like my eyes were just constantly being diverted to some crap that wasn't interesting, you know? <laughs> no, that makes yeah. sense, man. I liked most of the influences. I thought there was a couple that were a bit too on the nose, like uh, Samuel L. Jackson, like, reprising his line from Jurassic Park, was like, as always, hold on to yeah. your butts. <laughs> Didn't necessarily need that. But then I, I liked that this film felt very much informed by the, like, Vietnam War films, like Apocalypse Now, Platoon... Like, that was very much in the fabric of this film. And I quite liked um, the... I, I was talking to Jack about this earlier, and we had a bit of a disagreement, but uh, there was what I think is a cannibal holocaust reference in this film that I was yeah, not expecting is. when I went into it and was delighted to see. Yeah, explain explain the scene, Liam. It's um, it's when they're in the... They're going through, like, a jungle area. There's a huge, giant spider thing, and one of its legs goes through and impales someone through the mouth, much like... Um, like the iconic scene from Cannibal Holocaust that's on the poster as well, I think, or some of the posters. I've never seen Cannibal Holocaust, but I know exactly what you're talking about. And I was in the movie theater going like, oh, they went there. Yeah, which I wasn't <laughs> expecting in like a, a 12A, or I guess it's PG-13 over there, is it? Yeah. Yeah, was not expecting that to be referenced in a film like this. It was pretty fucking brutal for a 12A. Like, I, I, I remember actually kind of being like shocked by it and, and not adverse to violence at this point, but... I was just just the the where it came out of nowhere in this film. I I, I was just looking at it like that guy is impaled on a spider's <laughs> leg. That's fucking terrifying. <laughs> I don't know. It's not, I, to me, the problem was with tone, right? We were talking about you, you guys are just talking about that. I mean, Liam says that he had a great time and he looks at it in terms of Lost World, but to me, I felt like I was watching a movie that didn't know if it wanted to be a thriller, an action film, or a comedy. Yeah, I get that. And so that's why I kind of took it you know when i was looking at the the references to vietnam and i was like are we are we satirizing this is this a parody of what was going on are they recuperating these themes because they need to reassess them now because that's what hollywood's doing right now is reassessing so many things that they kind of got caught up in okay maybe we should go talk about vietnam again see what's going on there you know how can we do that you know and go attack another period of our history but I don't know, man. It just felt so fucking weird when I was watching it because the CGI fest, like you said, you said it was putting you to sleep. I was nodding off at one point because I, I, I just didn't care enough for anyone that was involved. Brie Larson's character was, you know, kind of one note. It was she had nothing to do except take pictures and smile, which was weird. Uh, Sam Jackson, what is the emphasis that the director wanted to make when you see Kong's fist close and then Sam Jackson's fist close at the end as well? There's an emphasis on closing fists that I didn't yeah. necessarily understand. Where like there was a show off that wanted to be kind of like a western between a giant ape. <laughs> And and this black man See, that, that has no is, way of beating him in any way. The thing way. is, when you describe it like that, it does sound entertaining. That's what I mean. Like conceptually, I'm on board with this. Like it sounds stupid, but like I I, I want to enjoy that. I want to enjoy Sam Jackson staring at yeah. uh, King Kong in the face, both clenching fists at the same time. But it, it the way it's actually executed in the film is so slapdash. It feels like a like an afterthought that they just accidentally captured. That's how, like, thrown in it is, and uh, it doesn't seem to connect with anything or even have the time to be a thing in itself, so that's that's why it's weird, you know? You can't even enjoy moments like that, or at least I couldn't. Well, how do you guys feel about Samuel L. Jackson in this film? I mean, so, <laughs> I, I really... I, I don't I like Samuel L. Jackson, like, a lot, but there, there was this scene right at the beginning where he's doing his, like, I'm the colonel of the Air Force, and he, like 
lifted up his head and it was so obviously them being like, look, we've got Samuel L. Jackson. Can you believe it? <laughs> and it, honestly, it just put me off. Like right then I was like, oh no. Uh, and then the whole film, Samuel Jackson was kind of being Samuel Jackson, which is fine. He is. He can't not be him. But it just felt so like they clearly <laughs> wrote try. that role for, I mean, for a fucking for movie. Him. If he's doing a good job at acting, it cannot be him. That's a fair point. <laughs> yeah, you mean like that lisp in Kingsman? <laughs> yeah, that's true. But but I feel like there's not many actors, and I think Samuel L. Jackson is one of these, who could believably stare down a, what, 100-foot ape? Yeah. And there's a moment where you're, where you're actually like, oh shit, this ape is in trouble. <laughs> Like, there's not many actors that can pull that off. I didn't get that at all. I, I get, <laughs> we see, I, I, I've seen so many films where that's Sam Jackson's character. You know, that's he's the guy who will stare at the monkey. You know, the ape, yeah. and and that be the the kind of semi joke, semi reality. Like, man, look at the balls on this guy. But like in this film, did it, he was actually trying for a while to play a character like this, like tortured Vietnam colonel guy. To then sort of yeah. subvert to Sam Jackson cliches that we see throughout his entire filmography. It, it, I don't know. It, it felt off-putting to me. I think those cliches sort of undermined the character that he was actually trying yeah. to do. Because it was an interesting character. And like you mentioned earlier about, um, uh, I think Jason was saying he wasn't sure why Hollywood's now looking back to Vietnam. I think there's a really interesting line at the beginning where there's a quote that says um, something like, American politics will never have a more chaotic time than now which right. you know set in the 70s and then you watch it today you're like oh how little they knew <laughs> but him but, but then I mean, taking... don't you feel that that was on the nose though don't you feel like that, oh, that was a rewrite <laughs> it wasn't incredibly on the nose but then i think all of that helps inform samuel L. jackson's character so that his whole like oh we we kind of abandoned that war i'm not gonna lose this one like, to me, that kind of gave me his character motivation sort of, like, shorthand for it. So I just I, I just enjoyed seeing him play that role. Yeah. Okay. I, I just didn't like the references to his To his past career, films. yeah, I get that. I mean, yeah. like, there is probably, for most people who don't really know that, they can probably just watch it and not pick up on that. And those be the lines for the first time they've heard them, or that be the style. If you've never seen an actor like this actor before, maybe... That's like the target audience, you know, that's why there's a lot of people who are on Twitter and stuff and really excited about this film because maybe they just haven't seen a lot of films and, and fair enough. I mean, maybe uh, kind of coming into this unknowingly like more cynical because I have seen a lot of the references uh, and, and know that they're not really doing anything with them. They're just making them. Yeah, they're uh, just putting them in. Yeah, exactly. So like, I, I, maybe that's my fault for knowing uh, not, not 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 having the freshest of eyes that i i proclaim to have uh but at the same time i don't know like, i i feel like i would be able to look past that if it were interesting i mean even like not seeing lots of films and get like all the references and whatever like his character has a huge gaping like not a plot hole but they they set up like you were saying liam they sort of like there's the beginning bit where they're setting up this character right hmm. they set up this like whole he accepts the mission and, like, he doesn't really tell his men that it's his fault that they're doing this mission, right? Yeah. And I was like, oh, that, there's going to be, like, this interesting, like, the men turn on him at the end because they find out that he sort of betrayed them. Yeah. That would be awesome. But then he, and then he has a scene where he's facing down John Goodman and has a go at him and he's like, you got all my men killed, right? So I was like, oh, they're doing it even more. They're be being like, oh, Samuel Jackson's character is, like, sort of 
blaming John Goodman, but we all know it's him. That never gets addressed, ever. That's yeah, a great you're, point. I, you're absolutely I right. That. That's 100% yeah. right. <laughs> and now we now we all sound like we're ganging up on Blaine. But uh, <laughs> no, 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 no. That's fine. I, not at all. But no, no, I, I actually, I totally got that as well. I, I, it's one of the few things I did write down was that this this film could have used a more directly antagonistic set of characters. You know, like uh, yeah, that that Kong should have been this sort of un, or provoked force. And we should have been following a bunch of assholes doing the damage so that this had a message. But the fact they kept tapering it back, they kept trying to make these non-characters likable, you know? So we had Tom Hiddleston, who is this, oh, he's a dangerous guy from another era, and he's being dragged in for one last time, one last big game. Yeah, you know, he's just he's just sort of there. He's like, he's kind of friendly, and he's kind of like very direct about getting everybody to safety. It's, it's you know, like... yes. What kind of character is that? Who gives a shit? Uh, you know, Brie Larson is is set up as this uh, standoffish photographer who kind of who is very activist kind of character who feels very anti-war. That's a that's a fine characteristic trait, and like nothing happens. She just sort of wow, look at the ape, wow, look at the people. <laughs> you know, like yeah, that relationship just... wasn't earned with with Kong at the end either. You know, no, the fact absolutely. That he like, wants to say, I was like, well, oh, look, a precious toy. I've never seen a woman. And you're like, there's a town full of villagers there. There must be one that's not 85. <laughs> I, I didn't see any. <laughs> I know, but the, I mean, Jesus Christ. They, like, they, they, they're, they're still there. I mean, like, it's not like they're forever. Yeah. And, and what, like, what was weird is that because they have such a great positive character in the film with John C. Riley, it feels like they originally had a lot of antagonists in mind. And this guy was going to be, like, he actually has a line, like, you're all going to die. You know, like, that felt really weird because he was telling it to good people who didn't want to be there, you know? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Whereas if he had, if they were assholes and he was kind of jokingly warning them and they were too ignorant to listen to him, then it felt like that would make sense. Uh, And it feels like the script originally had that in mind, but it just stopped. And now everybody's kind of funny and likable. Uh, even the side characters are all kind of semi-memorable for their one-liners and stuff. And really? I can't, yeah, I like I, I I like them. I didn't at all, man. I didn't attach myself to them or anything. But I, you know, I, those characters I've seen them in different films. But I don't mind a roster being the roster from Aliens. I don't mind this being a bunch of disposable, you know, frat boys who all like jump around and, and yell crap at each other and have inside jokes. I was happy to see them all die. You know? <laughs> uh, but that doesn't happen. And they're all, you know, pretty uh, tame and likable. They never even become kind of assholes like they do in aliens where, you know, they kind of just go out all out to, to pick on these like baby aliens and stuff like that, you know, where it's kind of morally ambiguous. They, they are set up as good guys and they remain good guys. Even with no, with no change, I, I, I don't know. I, I just don't care. I never cared. <laughs> Let's see. That's the weird thing about it. Okay, when whenever they go through that that cloud, when they go through that cloud of smoke with the helicopters, you're, it was that was a. I, I like that scene. I thought it was fun for them to go through that. You know, like avoid the lightning, and I thought it was a really interesting. Although the Brie Larson's hair is not moving, I thought it was a really well done scene. <laughs> and when they get to the other side. It's so beautiful. I mean, I thought it was a great place. And you know, they found this paradise. 
And mm-hmm. this is exactly the moment where I stop giving a shit about the people is when they start launching those seismic bombs and just destroying the shit out <laughs> yeah. of this beautiful yeah. island. <laughs> it's like, this is so was, beautiful. Let's bomb Let's it. Let's fucking yeah, like, bomb I'll... it. I was like, what the fuck is going on? Who does this? There was no <laughs> rational. I couldn't believe it. At that moment, I was like, I don't want to spend any time with these people. Show me Kong again. Let's just, they deserve what they get. And to be fair. You don't even get I, it. That's that's what I mean. They they're set up like antagonists, and then they all become really likable guys, and then Kong sort of gives them a knowing pat in the back, and everybody goes home. Yeah, but when you were talking about wanting it both ways, you know, that's it. You can't make these people stupid, and then likable (laughs) stupid people, and then go out to be this this weird antagonist where you're like, dude, you got all of your soldiers killed. And I'm supposed to sympathize with you who says you you didn't lose the, the Vietnam War, but that you gave up. And at the end, you're going to take out the frustration that you had on that war on this fucking giant ape. What the hell? I, I don't un, like there's no logic. I mean, unless someone comes in and tells me like, well, OK, yeah, based on the character motivations of him being a warmonger and whatever, I'd be like, this doesn't make any sense as a character arc. He didn't have an arc. He was just a prick from the beginning. And. I didn't. I didn't find that fun. Well, yeah, but he's he is supposed to be the bad guy. So like, you're you're not really supposed to be like, oh, I sympathise with him. Like, I saw him as someone who was slightly unhinged, and the more time he spent on this island, the more unhinged he became. Sure. Yeah. Like oh, the, the heart that. of darkness I, thing it's going for. You know that perfectly makes sense. fine. Yeah, but, but I mean, the people that are surrounding him warrant sympathy, and if he's with them at the same time, doesn't that seep into how they're characterised as well? If they're yeah, because no, no one questions him. Exactly. No one's well, like, they all turn against him at the end. He's he's leading them clearly to their deaths. He doesn't give a shit about them. All he wants is the giant ape. I could have figured that out, and I'm not even part of that military outfit. <laughs> I was sitting in there and I was like, but, why aren't they just saying, listen, we're going to go back the other way because we're yeah. supposed to be getting out of here? Yeah, you know? but I kind of see, like, from their perspective, you don't defy your superior if you're, you know, a military man. So I could see why they were doing that. At first, I got that. Like when they were when they were <laughs> when they were going to save their own one guy's down and the Toby Toby Kevill guy, and they all go like, "Yeah, we got to find him." I get why they followed him that far. It's when yeah, that makes after sense. that, that part makes sense. he gives up. Or uh, no, they 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 know like he's definitely dead. Um, all right, time to you know book it to the to the boat thing or the plane or whatever the fuck they got off the island with. Uh, and um, but after that point, and then they they follow him to Kong. Because he just wants to kill him. Because he's a Kong's a prick to him. Why doesn't everybody go like, yeah, we've seen Kong not be a prick. And we were the guys bombing them. Why is nobody... They don't even... Everybody seems to be against him in, in word, but not action. And that just looked like lazy writing to me. Yeah, I agree. Even Kong, like, they try to give you this this really tragic backstory with him and his, uh, you know, his dead parents. He's the only one left of his kind and all that. Mm. Uh, and the skull crawlers, that they call it. You know, I thought that was a really clever way of saying it, you know, like flat out that they had no idea what to call these fucking things. These generic looking weird <laughs> lizards, like, we haven't seen them, like, on two weird claw things and then a giant tail in the back. Let's make it like that. It's going to be really cool. Yeah, I was annoyed that they do that whole setup for there being like this giant skull crawler. Yeah. And they're like, don't wake the big one. And I was so excited because I was like, oh, maybe like, because when I go and see a monster film, the reason I've usually gone to see it is because I think the monsters are going to be cool. And yeah. I want to watch them be cool. 
So I was like, oh, it's going to be this giant one. It's going to be like this ancient, like, you know, maybe they get four legs when they're bigger and it's going to be this cool ass monster. No, it's just a big skull crawler. Yeah, it actually is. Yeah, it's, it's like, just a, it's just it like the a, next a boss. Yeah, like that. Ah, oh, it was so annoying. I, I was expecting this really awesome creature to show up and I was like, no, they've just scaled one up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, then they're, and then they're done with it in like five minutes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Kong kills it really easily. <laughs> And like, like kills it like really this, this constant scourge of the island that has yeah. tormented them since the very beginning is like and dead, Scott, dead and five. Kong does it by apparently mastering weapons. That was brilliant. Like, I thought, I like, know, if you're going to go that fucking stupid, then yes, I think that was pretty cool when he just rips the. Yeah, I mean, off. yeah. At that point, it was sort of like, oh, okay, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I kind of feel like with this film, there's a point where you you either just go with it or right. you kind of fight it. Yeah, and. Yeah, I went with it. <laughs> but I mean, at, least, at least you enjoyed it. You know, I mean, like, I think it's important that, like, people listening know that there is a way to enjoy this. You have to sort of, like, yeah, we all we all claim, like, we actually turned off. But here we are fucking nitpicking over fucking well, character listen, writing and symbolism say, and shit like that. Yeah, I have to say flat out that this is the first time that I don't write notes for a film because I didn't feel like I, I you know, I didn't care. I didn't care enough to actually want to just invest more time, you know, and I'll definitely watch it again on home video, but <laughs> I, I, I didn't really have anything to say other than the fact that it was, I uh, like the marketing. I thought it was mismarketed. Don't use apocalypse now. Like it's, you don't do anything with it. You know, I like, I know that Armin white thinks that apocalypse now is a very overrated film. I happen to like the film. I like what it says about Heart of Darkness. I like the fact that it's used as a metaphor for Vietnam. I really enjoy everything about that film. And then when I walk into Kong, Skull Island, and you've marketed this as a return to somewhat an Apocalypse Now feel to it, then I mean, that means I'm going to have these these tragic heroes in a sense where they, they, they kind of question what they're supposed to do. You're going to have a lot of... I don't, emotional investment in these characters and all it was was a container you know what I mean I, I feel like I was yeah. misled into believing that this was going to actually be something on the level of what I consider Godzilla whereas a, a, a more of a think piece on where <laughs> humanity's going but I, I just don't get me wrong there's a couple of scenes in the movie where I was like holy shit that was awesome I really thought yeah. it was great but I feel like it was very misleading. Like you said, Lee, earlier, they put references into the film and including the marketing, no matter how good it looks, if it's empty, then it's not worth much. You know, it's like having a trophy wife. You want her to shut up and look good. I feel like Kong Skull Island is exactly what it is. I'm sure everyone could relate to that image. <laughs> yeah, I, okay. So I, before we get into wrap up, I wanted to let me rhyme something here. It's weird because I, I did try. I sat down and did try to figure out some some symbolism or something. I tried to read it, uh, and I, Jason, you said last night in in a, in a text about like a terrorism angle. Yeah, and I think you were on to something. Yeah. But my brain was sleep deprived, and I couldn't make anything of it. Uh, so I wanted to, to kind of look because you like it has Vietnam, uh, and that's like you know it, now it, today it means like invading force. It's 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 the the misfire war for America. Yeah, uh, and uh, you know like politics today aren't great. <laughs> they typically aren't ever, but <laughs> yeah. But I mean, like I, I tried to think about what that meant for like now, you know. And it's, it's like this is it's just trying to tie things together. So like, if we read the Ark of the People versus Kong as one in which they kind of awaken this beast and learn over a violent lesson 
that the beast is best left alone. I tried to figure like what what the film is trying to say by that or like imply by using Vietnam uh, as 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 the setting, you know? Because why? Other than apocalypse now. So like like do we see Kong as the next threat? Uh, which uh, I think Jack you said was something Sam Jackson says. Uh, you know we have to we have to move on to the what the next war. You know he's always in search of the next thing. And 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 to see this as the target of like the abandonment of Vietnam. And is this like America struggling to search on? For for the new cause, you know, like the new, the new thing to make up for Vietnam's failure, and then, so like, what, what, what do you make of a contemporary reading of that? You know, like, how do you, how do you see that, like, where the wars are today, and 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 where the military for America is today? What, what, what could that even be saying? You know, well, the wars are kind of becoming more abstract because you know you had like the Vietnam War where it was. It was murky, but they, they had an enemy. And then you go to like these days where you've got like the war on terror. Yeah. How do you how do you win that? Yeah. Like terror is just a thing that's always going to be there. Um, it's an unwinnable war. So I don't know if you know to then kind of look towards Kong as something that is actually tangible and defeatable. Yeah. I, I don't exactly. Really know. That's that's what I mean. And you you got the nail on the head there with the terrorism angle. The uh, that if that's modern war. And and these guys are searching for the next thing, and the thing they find is terrorism. And and terrorism is this isolated ape that they provoke into action. You know, and, <laughs> and I get that. You know, like there is that cause and effect idea in political theory, where you know the more that that a war is fought, the more people grow. You know, in resentment of a war, and then they all become people who want to take that against the the warring countries. And that you know, so essentially, as America keeps fighting, they keep making more enemies, who keep fighting back and keep making more enemies. You know, and and, and that's something that a lot of people are saying about like today's wars, because bombing people and making enemies, you know, like the 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 extremists that people are concerned about aren't going away because they don't really know how they exist or in what form but they know that they can bomb a general area and that sort of try to fan the flames in some way you know so what does it mean when we take that to king kong (laughs) and king kong is the guy that we're there to bomb you know we're there to like this is the next war uh and and then then you know by the end of it that the heroes one guy the the crazy general guy gets killed and we've got a bunch of other guys who kind of very sympathetically look at Kong they kind of understand his pain now and then they kind of go away is it like an apology you know is it like uh America uh, we're sorry you know uh for for causing all that shit you know and for Vietnam this is our this is our Vietnam apology if only we had went there seen the struggles and 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 then grew as people the war would stop that like that's the reading i got from it and you kind of go like well, that's a bit preachy and and big of them, like small of them to go. Yeah, yeah. You know what? Now that I kind of know it better, I I do feel like maybe we were the monster. Like, <laughs> oh no, shit. <laughs> uh, but like, what else do you make of that? Uh, and that's what I mean. Like, that's why it would have been interesting to have more antagonistic leads because if this were like a straight up cautionary tale or moral story, in that. These guys just keep going at it, and Kong gets more angry and angry, and eventually just starts fucking tearing shit up, and makes plans to, to fight back against these people. You kind of get like what it's saying about like real life, but by just like having everybody kind of sit down, look each other over, and go home, I, like what what the fuck is that about? <laughs> yeah, I guess you're right because I do, I do think that the terrorism aspect was you're you're spot on with that. 
You know, I, I think, you know, I could go back to a quote that George Carlin had where he says that, you know, the United States averages a war every 20 years, which means they've had a lot of practice and they're really good at it. And if this is the next thing, like Liam was pointing out, the war on terrorism is becoming more abstract. It's something that we don't necessarily know a lot about. So if Kong is the embodiment of that, I, I, I'd have trouble understanding just what we're supposed to get out of it, you know? First of all, because, I mean... Kong, if you look at that, the place he's in, he's literally in a paradise where everything is just out to get each other anyway. They're constantly, he's constantly fighting. You can see that he's a bit of Yeah, he's got his own problems. He's like Batman of the jungle where he's broody as shit. <laughs> his parents were murdered. He's trying to survive. You know, there's a little tie in there. It's just weird. Never thought of that. <laughs> but I mean, I saw parallels with Logan, right? Kong has to take care of this one last fight, you know, in order to be left in peace, you know? I I don't get exactly, like, there's so many mixed messages with what yeah. it is, because if it's the United States literally taking on this giant entity that will ultimately lead them to be defeated in the end, what does that say about Kong? First of all, we're comparing a bunch of other cultures to a giant fucking ape, which yeah, exactly. is not really cool to begin with. The embodiment, you're like, <laughs> and he doesn't really explain you know, express himself too well. You know, he, he falls in love with the white girl and you're like, come on, man, we could do better than this. You know? Yeah. 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 The sav- the savages undertone is not good. You know, and uh, you know, the, uh, the other people, these natives of the island are the other, only other people and they don't speak and they are backwards in their own ways. According to the people on that see them. It's like, yeah. it's such a, such a cruel depiction, you know, and it's supposed to be fun, but like who, who, like, Lane, did you think it was like fun when you were there with those people? Like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I did. I, I honestly, I just had so much fun. Um, yeah, I, I, I kind of looking, trying to like, you know, derive meaning from it. I don't know if it's trying to necessarily say much about today or if it is just a more blatant commentary on uh, like the 70s. Like, So what do you think it means, therefore, if you have like the majority of this cast being Americans and obviously referencing uh, the Vietnam War a lot, and then you stick like Tom Hiddleston, this British SAS guy in there, like, is is that trying to say something about the Vietnam War and how, yeah. you know, Britain just sort of stepped back and watched? Like, I, I don't... I don't know how deep you can really dig into a film like this. No, I... Like, I, if, I if there's actually enough I there get to that. do That's that. That's totally I get fair that. as well. Yeah, it's I mean, fair. like, it is... It's that... It's more that somebody has actually looked at these references uh, and the works that are, you know, that have... Uh, they, they've crafted something of a story here and they are... Because there are a lot of moments where there's, like, a slowdown where there's not, not any action happening, no character being built, it's just, like, images... Uh, and and letting the camera speak for itself, you're kind of making your own story. <laughs> yeah. And, and and that story to me was kind of racist or something. You know? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's exactly right. That's exactly what I got. I was like, there's something going on, and it's itching yeah. me in the wrong way. I don't like it. <laughs> we're definitely we're definitely being too serious about it. And I, I, that's what I, I feel like. I wanted <laughs> I, to put that out there just to just to say it because I just think there's kinda... a responsibility to be taken. To me, like, if you're going to be making a movie in a committee, the way I think Brendan said, Jesus Christ, guys, you can't just put shit together and say, ah, they'll like it without taking responsibility (laughs) for the message that you're putting forth. To me, there's there's too many things that have been flung at the screen in this case. And I have a feeling that even if we are taking it too seriously, there are people out there that are going to look at this and they're going to really pick it apart 
and there's going to be something terrible underneath you know even yeah. if it's not yeah. what they're trying to sell you know it is no i, I mean it's there. definitely not legendary's legendary the studio's like dream to be fucking this the, their next king kong film to be about a, a social commentary on war i don't <laughs> i don't think that's really what they had in mind i think they just wanted to see a monkey beat things up and then they gave it to an <laughs> yeah. indie director who really wanted but to Eve- take it somewhere you know even so, I think, you know, like we say we're taking it maybe too seriously. I think it's absolutely fine to take it seriously. And there's enough in here to kind of draw these things from. But there's also elements where there isn't enough in it. And yeah. you do have to fill in the blanks and reach. Kind of, um, I get that. I mean, yeah, yeah I mean, so like, literally it's, it's stumbled a balancing that, act. That, um, that criticism out as if, like, you know, I, I was reaching and asking a lot of questions rather than having definite yeah. answers. So I, that makes Which sense. Which I think is, is fine as well for a film like this to provoke those sort of questions. But then how much responsibility lies in the film to also provide a level of answer to those sort of questions? Yeah, I mean, I guess uh, that, that kind of plays into why then, uh, another reason why I didn't like it. If they are going to raise <laughs> questions and not answer them, I would I would shit on a, on a really good movie for doing the same, you know, so I, I just have to be fair to all, really. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Anyway, we should we should push to, like, positives or favorite moments or something. All right, let's, <laughs> Lighten start, the mood. let's start with, let's start with <laughs> Jack. There are positive things. Jack, what did you think? Something positive to take away from the film. Like, the, the positives I had were, as, as few as there were, I did really enjoy seeing the, like, some of the interesting, like, fauna they came up with, like the yeah. uh, stilt spider thing I thought was really cool. The log thing. Yeah, the, yep, yeah, bark bug, the, <laughs> the razor bird things, like that scene where the guy got pulled into the air and had his arm cut off. Oh, shit, yeah, yeah that, that was, was awesome. awesome. That was pretty, that was pretty awesome. Like, so I, I enjoyed those bits they'd the, done with looking at what was The giant water buffalo. Yep, they were yep, cool. Cool. I guess. <laughs> I didn't really understand the point of that bit. Like, no, a little bit no. Like, yeah, we have uh, we have extra money. Oh well, yeah, let's... let's try to make this kind of thing look like an island. Oh man, that's good. Pass the joint. I've... <laughs> I've... <laughs> I thought it was it was like a it was like a callback to Jurassic Park, you know, with the Triceratops. Oh yeah, yeah. was that not kind of oh, the thing it was going for? But like, I don't think it meant anything. Jesus Christ! Oh, yeah, I hadn't put that together either. But it is very similar <laughs> to that scene, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Liam, favorite moments? Um, Everything. So I was really worried <laughs> when I watched the trailer that I didn't think John C. Riley. I thought that just wouldn't work, yeah. and I was so pleased to be wrong. And mm. he just worked brilliantly. I thought, like, like, the film is generally quite funny, but then when he comes along, it gets elevated into basically a comedy for a little while. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I I enjoyed him. Yeah, I thought he was good. I totally agree. Like he did one line about fucking uh, these ants. It was fucking yes. hilarious. Yeah, yeah like, they sound like birds. That's how fucked up and, this is. <laughs> but didn't, did, didn't you guys get the impression? And this is—I don't know if this is just me—that you were watching Jumanji again, where he's the Robin see, Williams. I don't see a negative, Jason. I know, but I mean, it's just a question. Like this movie wants to be set in Vietnam, and then you have John C. Riley, who's the Robin Williams character. It's like I've been stuck in this game for so long. It's getting intense <laughs> in here. We got giant monkeys, giant antelopes. We got these giant fucking spiders, these birds with razor sharp beaks, and they have these people that don't talk. Welcome. 
And it's just <laughs> that, so odd to me. Yeah. <laughs> when I was no, watching totally it, I was right. like, Jesus Christ, the guy looks like exactly like he's been trapped in Jumanji, but now everyone else is yeah. in the game. That might be why it, it, it also is that much more fun. He, he does have that charismatic nature about him where he just seems like totally bewildered out of the story. Uh, but like that was good for me because I wasn't enjoying the story. So every time he was there, <laughs> I was like, oh, yes. Just, exactly. just keep just keep ad living, John. Just don't stop. Just keep just take <laughs> us home. Just talk about oh, there's a big monkey. Ha ha ha. Like <laughs> you you got it, man. <laughs> uh the positives, uh I like the helicopter sequence. I, I enjoyed how that was shot. Um I really, really thought like when you see that hand come up and just yeah. flick that, yeah. Yeah. Okay. you're like, oh shit. That was really, really well done. Uh, I didn't like the flashback sequences when you, I'm going back to positives. Give me a break. And so <laughs> it's just that, you know, he's taking on those two like skull crawlers at one point and it's a flashback sequence. You're like, dudes, come on. You know, I could have done without Kong bathing as well. Although I really like the rapport between Kevl. John C. Riley is um, is superb in the film. I really think that when he gives his, his heartfelt uh, beer and a hot dog, uh, yeah. speech. I thought that yeah. was beautiful and I, I, it's so relatable. <laughs> after a, after like we, we just come home after a hard day's work you know and sometimes you're like you know I just want to you know have a beer and maybe not a hot dog but something else it doesn't matter you know I enjoy hot dogs occasionally and I think that I feel like when you get that at the end of the film where you see him with the hot dog watching the ball game with the Budweiser which they plug at three points during the fucking movie thank you very much Budweiser <laughs> for financing this fucking picture and so I really think that that was really 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 good to see that because that's a very relatable moment it was the most human moment in the entire movie and he's the most relatable character because you understand exactly what this guy's been through. He says, "I've wh- what do I know? I've only been here for 28 years. And you're like, yeah, you have been here for 28 years. Why is no one listening to you? It doesn't make yeah. any sense. Yeah, exactly. So and we're I think slowly that... creeping into negatives then when the people stop listening. But, <laughs> but yeah, I, no, you, I really, you're right. really liked his character. I liked that part. I thought it was very human, very touching. And I can understand why, like he says, Kong is king. We really like him here. You know, you guys are disturbing yeah. this this guy. That would be my positive. I like the helicopter sequence, and I loved John C. Riley in the picture. Great. Uh, yeah, I would say I, I totally agree with all of those points, by the way. Uh, it, that's what I mean. Like, bits and pieces of this film are great, and I, I really did enjoy it. It's just, like, the what connects them that, yeah, that yeah. totally lost me along the way. But I... Positive, positive. Uh, <laughs> okay, one that hasn't been said. I did like the the kind of skull crawler versus the people fight, uh, like in the gas and like yeah. that skull. I kind of I thought that was a really fun scene. I mean, it's stupid. I hated that. There's some uh, there's some stupid parts to it, but I, I fucking Tom Hiddleston with the katana. Like, yeah, why? Oh, Jason, that was the that's... worst bit. How? No. Why is he so good with a katana? That's well, that's what I mean. Like, I, that was where I saw what the movie was supposed to be. It was supposed to be stupid, and that was when I was on board. Because then you're like, oh yeah, well anybody's a superhero here, so fucking why not? <laughs> and you know, John Goodman. They 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 decided that John Goodman had to get a a, a death that was as bad as, as as Sam Jackson's shark death in whatever the fuck film that was was the abyss. Big Lucy. Big, big Lucy. Yeah. So uh, yeah. So I mean, <laughs> that's a terrible scene. That's a terrible death, uh, but they they make a smart thing out of it that I thought was kind of fun to watch was that the the flash gets caught in his throat and it's a bad joke. Yeah, but it was entertaining. You know, it was entertaining to see and to see these guys try to survive in this really stupid 
abstract, <laughs> bizarre fight construction that comes out of nowhere in the middle of the story. Whatever. I At that point, I was starting to have a good time. Uh, in general, the action I really did kind of get on board with. Uh, it's just the downtime. With the boat and and the people and, and like no positive positive <laughs> and the people yeah, yeah exactly the, the I I liked the action and and the helicopter and so on yeah it was all good in that respect so if they kind of distill that if, I mean if we're if we're talking about like a future where they I mean like how the fuck are you gonna combine this with Godzilla like tonally or anything I just have to imagine it beats the fuck out of me I just have to imagine they um. They're just gonna drop all the balls and just go straight up monster mash, and I mean that that works out. That, I mean that's a graveyard smash, so I mean that's gonna be okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they try to sympathize with you, you. They want us to get attached to Kong, and I feel like in Godzilla they want us to get attached to Godzilla. How the hell are we gonna pick for one? You know what I mean? There's no clear villain. Yeah. Now. Maybe they'll team up. It's gonna be like a yeah. tag that's, team. That's the only way I can see it. Like, cause. They describe because Godzilla, and it's getting a bit ahead of ourselves, but they describe him as like the nature's balance against the like bad monsters, right? Yeah, right. right. And Kong's like protecting the gate where the bad monsters come from. So if they make them go against each other, it's just not going to seem right. Yeah, absolutely not. (laughs) Because Kong is essentially like Godzilla for the island, where he sort of protects the balance of the island. Yeah. There were two more things that I really liked about the film that hasn't been mentioned yet. So if you don't mind, I'd just like to do those really quickly. Um, I liked that Tom Hiddleston and Brie Larson, there wasn't like a huge romantic subplot. Like you would normally get that in a film like this, I, I think. Right. And I'm yeah. pleased they just I, sort of brushed to over To be that. fair, at this, when it was getting so boring, I kind of almost, I, I went back on, like, I, I get how that would have been progressive. But in this case, I was desperate for just something. <laughs> so like, <laughs> I was just like, oh God, I wish they were just a cliche romance here. Um, and the other scene I really liked that made me laugh out loud in the cinema and I was the only person... <laughs> is when you've got the military guy with the two grenades walking towards, I think, the skull crawler, oh, and it just spins yeah. around with his tail, hits him, and it explodes no. on, a, on like a cliff. You're right. That, that was, was hilarious. That was fucking hilarious. I, I did actually laugh in, in our screening as well. It's just like, that was, that was what I wanted to have. I'm like, fuck this guy. Yeah, that was so good. Right, so we don't do scores or anything. Uh, so um, I guess, I, I don't know, a round, would you recommend this Uh should be in order so we'll, should we go we'll go to jack first jack how did how did how would you tell somebody to watch Kong skull island i think if it was the, if it was a person that i knew would enjoy that kind of film then yeah sure but not most people i would say no <laughs> that seems fair uh liam yeah i think the same like i think if if you go into it kind of just approaching it like a, a family-friendly blockbuster popcorn film then sure. If you want something more from it, maybe not. <laughs> yeah, I think we firmly uh, sold, yeah, just burned that uh, bridge to the ground. You know? <laughs> yeah, uh, Jason. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll recommend it. Uh, I mean, I was talking to Jason, another one of my friends. Uh, he texted me, so how was Kong? I was like, I went, meh. He says, wow, shit, should I see it? I was like, yeah. And so <laughs> I think that, yeah, it's worth seeing. I mean, I went to see it in IMAX. So it was kind of fun. My daughters loved it. They really thought it was a fun movie. So I found the kind of, if, if you're in that stage, like where, where you're still watching movies a little bit more naively, and you just want to have a good time, and you don't necessarily want to pick apart exactly what they did wrong, then yeah, it's 100% a movie for you. I think that it, it literally is film for for audience, like shoving popcorn in their face, watching yeah. shit blow up, uh, seeing like, oh my god, look what happened. He There's a big fucking daddy long legs that just stabbed that guy through the throat. 
You know, most people won't get that reference, but at the same time, they'll think it's really cool. So I don't know. I'll definitely watch it again and try to pick it apart some more because I'm enjoying hating it. <laughs> but I, yeah, I'll recommend it. Uh, yeah, I um, I didn't enjoy it. I would, I would kind of hope I don't get, to, I don't have to watch it again. <laughs> it's like I don't know. It's like I feel like I, 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 I'm pretty good at getting what I like out of a film first time round. So uh, I don't feel I'm gonna, I'm gonna re evaluate much in this but i'm happy to i'm happy that people enjoy it and i'm happy to hear people are really liking it um and not just liam i've heard it around twitter so I mean, <laughs> there, there is there is a, a positive buzz to this film that i'm really not trying to stamp on I, like if you enjoy this film absolutely fucking enjoy it because uh, like what why would you listen to us if you're the person like who the fuck cares just it, watch monkey kill people it's good but for me like i don't know it, as i said like I, I don't even care that it doesn't mean anything. It's just that I was bored. Uh, and that's the, the real sin when it comes to a popcorn movie. I cannot be bored. It is yeah, critical. Yep. So, yeah, that's that's generally where I lie with the film. Um, I, I, recommend it to, I recommend people ask someone who's seen it that they trust and see what they thought. Oh, that's a good way to put it. And if they really liked it, then you're going to like it. And if they didn't like it... You're you're almost likely you're almost certainly going to hate it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so should we talk about that post credit scene that essentially uh, establishes this universe and then use that as a springboard for Godzilla? We usually cut to the trailer. I want to talk to somebody in charge. You are not fooling anybody when you say that what happened was a natural disaster. You're lying. It was not an earthquake. It wasn't a typhoon. Because what's really happening is that you're hiding something out there. And it is going to send us back to the Stone Age. In 1954, we awakened something. Well, there's nuclear tests in the Pacific. Not tests. They were trying to kill it. You have no idea what's coming.
I'm going to start biting my tongue now. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome back. We hope that you guys enjoyed Godzilla's Roar and our semi-review of um, Kong as a nice little shift. We're actually going to be most likely three against one this this time. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) So Godzilla 2014 is uh, directed by Gareth Edwards. The director of Rogue One. And it stars Brian Cranston, Aaron Taylor Johnson, Elizabeth Olsen, Juliette Binoche, Ken Watanabe, and Sally Hawkins. Obviously, it stars a giant fucking dinosaur that tears shit apart, and that's kind of fun. So. You would hope so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right off the bat. How's that tongue biting going along? Okay, okay. So Not great. we'll start. Actually, you know what? I want to start with Liam this time, because we started with Jack for Kong. I want to start with Liam. Let's get the negative out of the way. Shut him up, and then we'll move on to the more positive stuff. <laughs> awesome. All right. So the issue I have with Godzilla, which I'm sure you've heard before, is I think you you start the film by setting up this amazing scene that has a lot of emotion in it with Brian Cranston and his wife, uh, played by uh, Juliette Binoche. Yeah. I don't know how you say her name. You think that's going to set up like the emotional core for this film. Like, spoilers, he, he has to like watch her die. And then he's not like blamed, but he knows that there's something more going on. So you kind of are gearing up for this redemption arc. And then within, I think, 40 minutes, the most interesting character who you're emotionally <laughs> invested in is just unceremoniously killed off. And then you have to follow Aaron Taylor Johnson who doesn't really have an emotional investment in the film. Like, his arc is, I need to get back to my wife and kid, and also, I'm the only guy around that can defuse bombs, and that's my job, so I guess I've got to do that. <laughs> and like that's So that's, like, your human element, and you just, after that first 40 minutes, where you're like, right, so I've lost the character I care most about, I guess I just follow this guy who I don't care about. Then you get Godzilla going around smashing shit up, and there's maybe a couple of, like, really good scenes like um the scene where Aaron Taylor Johnson's on a train with like a kid that's been separated from his parents yeah everything else with Godzilla I just like like how you were saying with Kong I found it really dull and not fun and I feel like a Godzilla film should be fun fair that's that's fair like I actually I I do although I have another take on it I I do totally agree I uh a lot of that I think is perfectly fair way to, to look at this film. Uh, Jack, how did you find it? I I just I think I I don't know if I'm biased because I love Godzilla and all, I, I've never watched the original Japanese films. I don't know why I love him so much, but <laughs> Godzilla is like yeah, he's like my favorite thing ever. I've, I'm like fascinated with Godzilla lore. I seriously, I need to go and watch the films because I don't know why I haven't. It's pretty good, man. Yeah, I imagine they are. But I just, I, I loved this film. I thought it was, I remember, I saw it in the cinema when I first saw it and came out loving it. And there were people that didn't enjoy it. And I was like, nope, you're wrong. Giant dinosaur monster that breathes electric fire into things. That's cool. Uh, no debate there. <laughs> what about you, Lee? <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I only watched this for the first time this week. Um, it's kind of like it was the perfect time to see it because I had seen enough other films in like where the influences were that I kind of got what it was trying to get at. Generally, at least from at least I worked out a perspective that suited me, uh, and that's where it kind of makes sense. Where I agree with Liam is that a lot of like the surface stuff, the like the characters and the reason to be in the plot and the way the plot just sort of stops and starts again. If you're like following it because of the characters, I totally sympathize with anybody because like it totally fucks you over 
for like a for like a, a reading you know like it's 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 far more like a metaphorical narrative oh, and, yeah. and and if and like you if you're not f- like following along with that and i mean like you have to be even remotely interested in following along with that in the first place which me and it's not exactly like right in your face so you have to kind of know to look for it you're you're missing out on what this film's actually trying to go for and but then you're still watching it and then you're watching this film that is kind of okay to watch but it's really not remarkable and i get i totally get that and and i can totally see where people were coming from at the time i i think if i had watched this at the time i would have been pretty disappointed but like this comes after a couple of months after the first time i'd seen close encounters of the third kind that's like suddenly it kind of just it's i saw this as like a spiritual successor to that but also one that was playing with totally different themes what some beginning themes with the father-son relationship but they take it a whole different direction that i was I, I i was really invested in trying to work out what it was trying to say the entire time and when i got to a point where i felt like i had got a general grasp of that i i felt content with just enjoying what the movie was was playing with uh with its language with the, what we saw on screen and stuff like that i felt like we um it was definitely a film that was taking itself very seriously and wanted to say something. And for that to be in a Godzilla film, which when he's on screen, he's so interesting. And I, I really enjoyed that character and what they were doing with him. That I felt like that it, it kind of worked on both ends for me. And I, I don't think it's perfect, especially because you like as a surface narrative, there's not a lot going on. But and, and there's definitely some really stupid like contrivances that are definitely going to pull people out no matter what way you watch it but um generally i i walked away from it really really content like surprised and content and i i just had a really good time with it that's really cool i'm coming at this uh slightly a tad different i, I can understand what liam was pointing out and I-, I completely agree i understand jack's infatuation with godzilla i think he's a glorious <laughs> fucking monster man they, if, they if, do him a good job in this definitely yeah. oh man is he ever beautiful in this and i think that he's even more well developed than kong kong you know you can sympathize oh, yeah. with him but there's so much to distract you around where you're like what the f- get away i want to just watch the monkey this version of godzilla I, I i really love it and the background that i'm coming with is because i've studied fairy tale and that's going to fit into the larger aspect of why I really respect what Gareth Edwards did with the film because, you know, in all of the films that we've they've been remaking recently, you know, all the like the live action crap that's coming out from Disney, there's a couple of them that are actually kind of good. I'm not looking forward to Beauty and the Beast. Take that, Uche. And I think that <laughs> I really appreciate that Gareth Edwards would take the lore of Godzilla and reinterpret it for today. I've seen a few of the Godzilla films. Uh, I I do think that the original from 1954 is the best. Although I I, I do for the 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 2014 version just because I, I that's the kind of film I like to see. They're really different in terms of how they they approach what the message is. You know, I, you guys are probably aware that the first version, the one from 1954, is is acts as a metaphor for the bombing of Hiroshima and Nagasaki and like the effects that it had on the population of Japan. You know, as a people, as a culture, and how you bounce back from that type of devastation and i think that maybe jack's fascination from this is because you know the reason why godzilla is still relevant today is because that time in history it's just i think that this this whole period you know world war ii is ingrained in, in collective unconsciousness you know obviously more in japan which is why there are so many godzilla films there but i really feel that this version of the film 
reassesses how faith plays heavily into how we've been reinterpreting these stories post 9-11. I love that Lee brought that up. You know, but you can also take it into a biblical way, right? The Old Testament God, which was a wrathful God, and the New Testament God, which was more of a nice guy, you know, where you'll have the 1954 version where the beast is just this thing that's full of rage that's destroying entire cities and the population is very very much scared of it but then you'll have the we'll call it the new testament godzilla that is actually there to protect humanity from things that are much larger things that they don't understand you know the the natural order has to be restored and we'll have these all-powerful beings that are going to take over sure so for me this one i thought was was brilliantly executed and i'll get into a little bit more later because I feel like, you know, a lot of the characterization that you guys are talking about in terms of how bland they are, I think is is spot on with how you're supposed to create a fairy tale. You know, these these are sure. stock characters and the way that Gareth Edwards presents them, you know, you'll have Ford Brody who is going to be leading through the hero's journey, essentially the way that Luke Skywalker does it, essentially that uh, the way Aragorn does it, the same way that Frodo does it. We have a character in here that's just meant to carry us through the story. And I think he does a great job at doing that. Even if you don't care for him, a lot of the people that are there are are going to be very, very reminiscent of things that we've seen before. And I think that bringing it into today in a post 9-11 world with a commentary using Godzilla, this is brilliant in my opinion. I remember sitting in the movie theater. I went to see it at IMAX with my girlfriend. We walked out. We were like, should we go see it again? And we almost did. (laughs) I mean, like, that's what, when you talk about, like, character, and I I totally get, like, uh, those those characters don't feel like actual, I mean, especially, like, Liam was saying about uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson. uh, He's he's kind of bland. But, like, like the thing is, like, what I think, uh, and what I actually found out that Garth Edwards was going for uh, was, like, a Spielberg send-up. Mm-hmm. You know, and, uh, and there's lots of little like moments in the film that kind of are like knowing nods to to Spielberg films. But I thought it was really in- really interesting how he does characters like Spielberg, because they're they're like they've got like a, a motivation. They're like given one motivation, and then they just are that character. They're very straightforward. There's not a lot of depth to them. You know the you know the guy from Close Encounters of the Fair Kind. He's just obsessed. He's like a he's a he's a dad. Who gets obsessed with a cause, and that's kind of him. That's that's him on his path, and that's all he does. And every the, everybody else is kind of like a force opposed to him, or you know, uh, you know, somebody who just wants him to get there. You know, and they understand him. There's everybody's just like a, a piece in his story. Right. And when you look at kind of like um, I don't know Jurassic Park, you're you're looking at a film where you know there's there's this megalomaniac. Uh, dinosaur park guy. He, he's, there's not a lot more to him. He's just like he he's addicted to progress, and that's sort of his character. And then you got the mathematician guy who's a cynic, or you know he's he's far more reserved when it comes to these this progress. And you have the guy who just likes dinosaurs, and you have the girl who just likes dinosaurs. I mean, like these are like, but there's, like there's no real progress for them. They all are just like things that are thrown into like a pot, and you see what comes out. You know when they when they hit each other, and that makes the film. They're just like big notions behind them but they're not actually interesting characters nobody stays up at night and and thinks what the hell you know neil what's his face from jurassic park thinks in his spare time you know and that's why like they've always struggled to make more stories out of them is because there's nothing really to them there's not there's not actual characters to them they're just guys or girls set on a path and like godzilla i i feel it does that really well we got a Brad Cranston father character who is obsessed with the truth, and that's kind of his part. We get the 
Aaron Taylor Johnson father who's skeptical of what his father believes in uh, and all he really wants to do is return to his family so that's kind of his part we've got the family who just want him to be home we've got the soldiers that just want to go and fight you know like there's not there's not that much to contend you know and I, that makes I think probably something that seems pretty boring <laughs> when you're just watching it and you're not interested in those kind of notions I guess but uh, I still feel like it, it did a good job of, of giving those us those and putting them to scenarios that kind of tested each other off them. I know, I'm just trying to like get my head around sort of what it is about this film that just didn't work for me um, beyond like the characters and everything. Like, because, okay, I get what you're saying. Like, Aaron Taylor Johnson, he sort of guides you through the film, which is fine. I, I just wish that the guide had been someone who I cared about. Like, I would have enjoyed the film a lot more. Yeah. I don't know if maybe that's deliberate and you're supposed to care more for Godzilla. Like, my background with Godzilla, I haven't seen, like, the original. I think I saw the, what, 99 version in the cinema when I was a kid. I remember yeah. nothing of it. Like, my my kind of frame of reference for this is more Cloverfield than anything. Sure. There's a bit of that vibe in yeah, here. Yeah, definitely. Hmm. I mean, the monsters, like, the, the ones that they fight against, or Godzilla fights against, they, they look like the Cloverfield monster, I think. Yeah, ex- yeah exactly. Really just... I, I think the, one of the issues I had is, like, I got a bit lost with all of the radiation stuff. Um, right. I, I get how it played into the plot. There was just a lot of it, and it wasn't <laughs> interesting. Um, yeah, that, that is funny. It is funny when you're kind of, like, they're getting, like, obsessed about this bomb going off. But you're kind yeah. of, and that that is a genuine, I, I think, problem with the plot that I, I think is good to bring up kind of now. Like, the soldier guy, he kind of decides to nuke them. But all mm. we know about them is that they live off nuclear waste. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so to me, that, like, I don't, I don't care really if you were, like, reading it as, like, if you were trying to read the film or watch the film. That, to me, felt stupid. You know, like, that. there must have been a smarter way to do that. I don't think so. You don't think there was a smarter way than having a guy try to nuke nuclear monsters? Well, like I said in the introduction, I mean, to me, this is about reassessing lots of the ways we, we, we see things, right? If we're going to reassess the way we see Godzilla, then we have to reassess our approach to attacking said monster. The problem is, is yeah. that we don't have forward-thinking people around especially this is probably a commentary on how the military sees things like oh there's a bigger there's a big monster we'll just build a bigger bomb that's the way they yeah. think and i think that and that that's aspect why felt Ken Watanabe's character says no you have to let them fight you have to let nature do what it has to do uh, yeah I'm, I'm not saying it doesn't resolve itself well i think it resolves itself brilliantly i just think how we get there i i, I get what you mean like oh yeah the military they're so straightforward but and, and and we need to bring up new approaches but like we literally the only inf- like even if we'd had more information about the monsters that could have led us to believe that the bomb was necessary oh maybe but we actually just go straight to nuke you know, but that's and there's him. no real that's disc- his character. But no, 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 no. But no, no. But based on the intel he has, and we know that he has, he knows that he's targeting nuclear plants. So why? It doesn't make sense. No, I, I don't think it's. I think the idea behind it is good, but I, 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 I contest that there was a smarter I mean, way to do this. And the other thing is, from an audience perspective, we are aware that nuking the monster isn't going to help the situation. Yeah. So it it takes away a lot of the dramatic tension because you're not like, oh shit, if they manage to do that, Godzilla's in trouble. You're like, well, that 
that's just not going to help at all. So that whole kind of aspect of the plot, you're just like, well, why is that there? It doesn't like add anything to the story particularly. Yeah, I, it would seem like they were trying to get to the point, but they didn't know how to connect the dot. So they, they just said, well, the military are stupid. They'll fucking nook it. But like this, the scene before that, we see that they're, try- they're, they're, they're trying to understand the monster and they talk about the fact it only targets nuclear stuff. So that's why it seems all the more baffling that they had fought this through, that the characters would be aware of this, but not enough that they would make a rational, even remotely understandable decision out of it. That's why on both a like in both ways you can read this film, I find it like a real lackluster drop. I, I think it makes sense where it goes, and I'm glad it gets there, but I think it's just a smarter way to have done it. I don't know, man. It worked for me because if we look at historically how the Americans have acted in terms of how they, they, they'll use force, you know, shoot first, ask questions later. I always yeah. think that that would be portrayed in a way where this is exactly how they would react. How do we attack it? Look at look at the guys on the bridge that are shooting at Godzilla with their their rifle. And you're like, what are you doing? Don't you get it? This yeah. isn't helping. And I feel like it's just reactive the way that they've been trained to react. And I think it was actually kind of smart to be written this way because that's exactly how they would have reacted. That whenever you, they're, they're, It's always a show of force. It's always a show of force. It's like, okay, we're going to have to build a bigger bomb. I understand what you're saying, that, they, that these monsters are attacking nuclear sites. But what, they, what they're thinking is essentially, what if we give them too much? And I think that that would be logical of them to think that. <laughs> I don't think that's true. I, I, but that's what I mean. I, I, I totally get... I don't think the reading is hurt by the fact that, you know, that the bomb is, is there. I, I, I think that what you're saying still applies and could still apply to a version of the script that doesn't have them be so stupid. <laughs> you know, like, I think that there's, there oh, is a very well, simple way to, to get this bomb into, their ha- into the monster's hands. Oh, I get that. Without the military literally ignoring inf- the only information they have. <laughs> no, I, but I, I understand your point, And I mean, I'm not going to argue with you on it. I, I, and I don't, I'm not trying to convince you. But I mean, like I said, I'm coming at this like from a fairy tale perspective. And, you know, fairy tales are usually very black and white. There's no real gray zone. And I feel like that would have been a gray zone. And it wasn't necessary for this type of film. Can I, can I very quickly play devil's advocate? Sure. Absolutely, go ahead. So is it possible, right, that the reason they use the nuclear the the nuclear bomb idea like the reason they thought it would work is less because we know that they live off of nuclear radiation and the military could have maybe deduced that and might even have known it in that scene because their plan wasn't to overload them with nuclear waste it was to use the explosive power of the nuclear bomb because that is like the nuclear radiation that a nuclear bomb releases is you know part of the horrible devastation that they cause but also they are a, a an explosion like a really big explosion so is it possible that they were like, let's just blow these things up? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, that, that's. I mean, fair. I don't particularly agree with what I'm saying. I just, you know, as a... <laughs> I, get, I get, like, yeah, I, 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 would, I would get an argument for that, I suppose. But then I would prefer if they then said that was the reason. Yeah, exactly. I think that, yeah, if you want your audience to give a shit. Yeah. Uh, and not just, <laughs> not just see that for what, it, like, oh, yeah, you're just nuking them and you're just trying to cover up the fact that you're nuking them because... Yeah, no, because you, you guys right? are definitely right. <laughs> then, yeah, exactly. So, yeah. No, I, I, that's, that's a fair devil's advocacy complete. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let, let's move on to, like, general themes, I guess. I don't know. I'm, like, when I was watching the film, one of the things that stuck out to me is it actually made me care about the monsters. It's a very strange thing that happened to me, like, even yeah. the Mutos. 
Uh, I I was heartbroken from seeing her spawn like just lit up and ignited in fire because the shriek of the giant Mudo that she lets she just goes like, oh my God, what the fuck are you doing to my kids? And I was watching this and I was like, Jesus Christ, why am I supposed to be feeling anything? You know, because I, I felt like these giant monsters weren't necessarily interested in people. They didn't give a shit. They were just like, oh, this is where I'm born now. They're not basically trying to kill people. They're just walking around. They're trying to mate, have kids, and then just take over the world, which is essentially <laughs> what we do. <laughs> I thought it was actually a really fun message that they were trying to get rid of nuclear waste where you're like, all right, well, hold on there. There's an argument to be made where should we just let these things roam free, get rid of the nuclear waste, and then kill them? Wouldn't that but be what like if a, they become too powerful? <laughs> I know, but that's the other thing too, right? I, I just, I was, I found myself asking these questions throughout the yeah, film. Yeah, that's, that's like, a good way of looking at it. Maybe this is a good thing, you know? And then Godzilla coming out, and you're like, all right, well, I understand that he has to restore balance, but can't he wait till the job is done? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of interesting. Yeah. Which, which leads me into what I wanted to talk about, you know, like faith, myth, and legend. And like any story that deals with those types of larger themes. I was talking about stock characters earlier. And if you just look at to any fairy tales that are out there, you know, you'll have characters called the king, the prince, or knight, the princess, you know, or more recent characters, you know, things that have come into our collective unconscious, you know, characters like the mad scientist or the professor, you'll have the wise fool, bug-eyed monsters, obviously, are going to be there, lovers torn apart, the damsel in distress, or uh, the doomed woman. And I found myself watching Godzilla and being like, oh my god, they, they're all here. All of them are here. The king is obviously Godzilla. The prince of the night is going to be Ford Brody. And Brody is a fun little nod to Jaws, obviously. Yeah, yeah. And the princess would be uh, Elizabeth Olsen's character. And you'll have the mad, mad scientist or the professor, which is going to be Brian Cranston. Joe, Joe, come on. I mean, this is the average American guy that's trying to be heard by the population. Is the guy, the conspiracy theorist. You'll have the wise fool, essentially, who's going to be Dr. Ishiro, as uh, Ken Watanabe's character, um, who no one would actually believe, you know, that he's conducting all these experiments for nuclear stuff with Sally Hawkins. Uh, and Dr. Ishiro, obviously, Ishiro Honda is the, the director of the 1954 original, so there's a slight nod to the director of the original there. Uh, the Bug-Eyed Monsters, well, I don't have to point those ones out. Lovers Torn Apart, well, our main characters, uh, you know, Ford and um, I forget her name, which is, you know, unfortunate, I understand we're supposed to care about these characters, <laughs> but they're stock characters, which means they're not that important. The mm. Damsel in Distress... Uh, you'll have the Juliette Binoche's character, right? Who plays the doomed woman, the dark lady. The woman that you're essentially going to have to let go, but she's the one that actually creates the drama in the first place. And so I feel like with a film like Gareth Edwards has presented, you know, we're forced to reassess what those roles mean and how those characters play into what's going on today. And Godzilla isn't really a complicated story. In my opinion, it, it, like I said earlier, it follows the hero's journey. You'll have a young boy who, after losing his mother in a tragic accident, leaves his father behind and settles in the U.S. far from where he was born, essentially in Japan, right? So if that doesn't ring like a bell, like on Luke and Tatooine. <laughs> and so you'll have the hero's journey that's separated into these things. You'll have the call to adventure, the refusal of the call and the meeting of the mentor, the crossing of the threshold, 
You'll also have the test, allies, and enemies. The approach, which is essentially entering the cave. You'll have the ordeal, death, and rebirth. You'll have the reward and the seizing of the sword. You'll have the road back and return with the elixir. This is Joseph Campbell's The Hero's Journey. And Ford essentially goes through all of these steps as the knight, essentially. The guy that's going to be sort of like our Luke Skywalker character. And I'm not saying that he's as interesting as Skywalker. Not at all. I completely agree that we could have probably had a better actor in the role to emote a little bit more. Because opposite Brian Cranston, you're like, is he just a military dude that you don't give a shit about? And at the same time, you know, if you put him in the military, he's one of those soldiers that is expendable. Any one of those guys could have been the knight because that's what they were promised by the U.S. government. So if we go to the call to adventure, Brody has to go to Japan to get his father out of jail. He doesn't want to go. And the refuse of the call and the meeting of the mentor, if you look at it, Brody thinks his father is a crazy old man. So we've got... Obi-Wan Kenobi that's referenced as a crazy old man by Owen. Mm. And we have Gandalf that is labeled a troublemaker by everyone in the Shire. And so you have Joe Brody, who is our mad scientist, but in fairy tale terms, he's also what we call the mentor. So the crossing of the threshold essentially is Ford accepting to accompany his father into the quarantine zone. They find out that the air is good, so perhaps Joe isn't as nuts as Ford. Thanks. And if we keep moving on throughout the story, you'll have the test allies and enemies that I mentioned. So after seeing the massive unidentified terrestrial object that they call it, the Mudo, Brody has to choose either to pursue his father's mission the same way Luke does with Obi-Wan, the same way that the Fellowship does with Gandalf after he dies. And does he pass the test? Yes, because Brody survives. Ford survives. He has to watch his father die, sadly, the same way Luke has to watch Obi-Wan die in the same way that Fellowship has to watch Gandalf die. So the allies Ford meets after that are going to be Dr. Ishiro, and you're going to have Dr. Graham, which is a Sally Hawkins character, and the military. The enemies, obviously, are going to be the Mutos. So if we move on a little bit farther, the approach and the entering of the cave, Ford allies himself with the people at the lab. Right? These are the people that didn't want to give his father the time of day first, but now he has to, after he realized, okay, dad's right, I have to line up with the scientists. So he journeys within and he becomes part of the people that are going to resist the Mutos. So basically joining the resistance. So the ordeal, death, and rebirth in this case, Godzilla is reborn. And he's kind of reborn symbolically out of the remains of Ford's father. So you'll have Joe essentially reincarnated as Godzilla, And that's probably a big fat fucking reach on my part. And I'm fine with it. (laughs) So Ford's ordeal, therefore, becomes whether to fight both the Mudos and Godzilla or have faith in Dr. Ishiro that Godzilla will restore balance and the natural order and whether he should go back to protect his family. So he has to choose and either join the fight again, join the resistance or actually going back, thinking of himself going back to his family. Now, Because he decides to join the resistance, there is going to be a reward and the seizing of the sword. Ford says he wants to fight. He argues with the Navy officer that's giving him a hard time. And finally, the Navy officer says yes to Ford and off he goes to battle. We have our new hero, Reborn, right? So Luke Skywalker joins the fleet and he's going to attack the Death Star. The road back. So after Godzilla has seemingly been defeated, you'll have Ford who sacrifices himself as he sets off with the bomb to draw out the Mudo, understanding that his family is the most sacred thing, and that actually 
he, because believing in his father, might actually have to go through his father's fate. So the resurrection, that's where Godzilla resurrects. Fire breathes an immense awesomeness down the Mudo's throat and symbolically resurrecting Ford himself from incumbent death, right? Because if he was going out there and the Mudo was actually going to kill him, then his sacrifice would have been possibly worth it, but we don't know if the bomb would have worked. So return with the elixir, which pretty much completes the hero's journey. Ford now has a purpose. His vision of his father is corrected. And as a result, he is rewarded with his family being alive in the stadium at the end. So essentially, that's exactly how Godzilla plays out. We have our hero. They're all stock characters. These are things we've all seen before in all fairy tales. And I think that that was kind of fun for Gareth Edwards to kind of complete the hero's journey with Ford. Now, I accept what Liam is saying in the sense that he's not really interesting as a guy. And I'm 100% in agreement there. But he does have an arc. And that's what I just wanted to point out. The thing is, you you kind of laying it out like that, if anything, has made me like the film less. No problem. So now I'm just like, <laughs> no what problem. lazy writing this film has. It just follows this template. Yeah, but you can't, you can't. <laughs> it's not lazy writing to follow the hero's journey. Yeah, That's but like... do something interesting with it. Make it, you know, enjoyable. They did, Liam. There was a giant fucking monster that breathed electric fire. <laughs> yeah, that should have been enjoyable, shouldn't it? It was. Uh, well, it was. I mean, I'm but I mean, to differ. I think that that <laughs> but, has yeah. a lot to do with how Rogue One was perceived by a lot of people as well. You know, the lack of character development because it is essentially the hero's journey again. I think what Edwards was clever in doing is not giving you Godzilla right off the bat, which is one of the mistakes I find in Kong: The Island, where you get Kong right away and then you're like, okay, we'll just see him again later. I feel like waiting for Godzilla makes that moment at the end when he actually shows up much more menacing, much more powerful. That he's shrouded in darkness, you know, we haven't really seen him, and I think that it's very well done. You know, just that build-up. Mm. It's a cool scene, but one of the things I liked about Kong is that they didn't fuck around and like they were like, oh, here's a hand, here's a foot, and then after an hour you see him, because um, you know he's on the poster. We know what he's going to look like. It's not a big reveal, and the exact same thing is for God for Godzilla, mm-hmm. like. They revealed in the marketing what he looked like. So then having to wait for half the film to get through before we see him, while it is a cool reveal, you kind of know what's coming. Mm. I don't know. I kind of like. I kind of felt that way about like the ships in Arrival. You know, like, yeah, we knew what they looked like, mm. but the film and how you're supposed to view it, uh, like the marketing material, uh, uh, to me, it doesn't count. You're, you're supposed to be in the film. <laughs> and, like, and so like when you see the, the ship for the first time in Arrival... You know, you're you're kind of like you're supposed to be feeling wonderment, and anybody had seen a trailer or a poster wasn't probably. But the idea was that if you just happen to stumble into this film before marketing gets like rubby hands on your on your well thought out script, you're supposed to be I don't know if terror is the word, but you're absolutely supposed to be sort of mystified by this like this this thing that's in front of you that doesn't it's not earthly. And I think that that was what they wanted in Godzilla. It's just a shame that. They just couldn't commit when it came to the fact that everybody had they had to sell a movie at the end of the day. Yeah, I had I had something very quick, very quick to say about uh, like my reading of the film about the Japan America relationship. And I was trying, like, I spent the whole movie trying to piece it together, and you know, I didn't really get to a finite end. I just liked the discussion more than the answer. I liked seeing that you know, even though the film reclassifies Godzilla as this ancient being, we know that the original Godzilla is this Japanese like product and also this symbol for Japan after the nukes dropped on Japan in World War Two. You know, seeing this guy in a film where he's far more i I was going to say aloof but i guess the the real word is uh, uh, scarce really and then watching a plot about the like a nuclear epidemic 
in America. I, I, there was a couple of things jumping out at me. I looked at the like the Mutos. They were kind of like America's hubris, you know. They were birthed of, of America's nuclear playing and, and and a lot of like the side effects for America. Right. When 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 they uh, they continued after the World War building and stockpiling these nuclear weapons, and then you kind of look at like Brian Cranston, and it was kind of like he's Japan's relationship to America. He's this guy who's kind of between the two that wants to promote a better understanding between both cultures. And is also skeptical about the, the American impact on Japan by the fact that the this this sort of nuclear power has pervaded even their you know their culture and how they power things. And then you've got like Aaron Taylor Johnson's character. He's like this American skeptic who needs to be unwound. He needs to be. He needs. He doesn't believe his father or the claims that the, there's a threat with the nuclear fix. So he's very much America's mindset. And him being a military man, kind of, I, I thought that made kind of sense. He's he's very much in in the mindset of like the sort of jingoistic interpretation of where America is would be in relation to sort of the nuclear race. And then you kind of look at like as the plot kind of progresses and these monsters they they start to essentially attack America. And if you saw that as like the symbolic spiraling out of control of the nuclear race where it's now starting to de deteriorate, destroy the country itself as they've got these landfills full of nuclear waste. They've got this bomb that they're happy to <laughs> apparently happy to drop on their own people but the you know like it, it it starts building this picture of like the the nuclear arms race being the sort of like a self-defeating prophecy prophecy where it does more harm just to be involved than it would ever do in protection and as you sort of as as that sort of starts to spiral out of control and as america's skepticism with iron taylor johnson sort of comes face to face with that reality literally in the sort of den of the, the reactor zone, like at a critical point, that's when Godzilla, who is this great symbol of Japan, will come to show America the way. You know, he kind of, he eases the monsters back. He, he, he sends a sort of more positive image. He knows he's been through the worst of it, really. So he knows exactly how to keep these monsters at bay. And then there's, there's that sort of thing where his sort of knock-on effect where he saves Aaron Taylor Johnson by the end then as uh, the skeptic has sort of been shown this clearer light, uh, and and thus the relationship sort of mends or forms towards a more positive future, while that sort of hubris recedes into the ocean. I mean, I don't know if like that's one-to-one, -one, like it's going to read pretty well, but that's when I was watching the film, I was trying to piece all these pieces together, and I thought that was a, like a fun way of, of, of looking at this kind of more positive, metaphorical side to the story, that I, that was running in my head as I was watching it, and I, I don't know. I thought it was fun. I just find it fascinating to hear people that know a lot more about movies than me <laughs> talk about these things. Because I go to that, I, I, see, I see Godzilla, and I'm just like, oh, look at this monster fight other monsters. <laughs> and then you guys blow my mind <laughs> with all this shit, and now I don't know anymore. And I'm, I'm scared, and there's too much knowledge, and I'm scared. Well, I mean, that's... <laughs> That's not I, what the intention was, man. You're yeah. allowed to like Godzilla. <laughs> just, just talk about how you like Godzilla. It's not knowledge or anything. We're just no. You know. I mean, like we're literally making up shit like we always do. This is exactly. This, we're just doing told that us this was the answer. We, we didn't study it. You know, we just fucking came up with shit to explain why we like things. Like, yeah. Quick question, and I might be way off base here. Sure. No. Could we look at Godzilla as some sort of cultural? Uh, appropriation where it's like i love that so america is responsible essentially for creating godzilla mm. but then in this film godzilla comes along and essentially saves america 
Yeah, that that is a problem, and I I'm really glad you brought that up because I I I only started thinking about that aspect recently, where you know like reinterpreting what I was talking about reassessment. It's it's a little bit awkward to reinterpret and reassess Godzilla, which is such a huge part of Japanese culture for yeah. exactly what the United States did to Japan, where they're mm. like, oh, he's not all bad. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah. I get like it's a bit. It is a bit weird. If you bring the picture back that I was kind of painting, and it sort of says, well, thank God America bombed Japan so that Japan could <laughs> save America later. That yeah. reads badly. Yes. Yeah. But I don't think... That, I, I, I think the more the point was that America have already set themselves down a path, and it wasn't... In this, Godzilla isn't birthed of the nukes. It's birthed of, like, nature beforehand. But it represents Japan. So I was thinking, this is Japan... As its own spirit, you know, kind of coming in and trying to help America with what is like a clear problem, you know. And so then it's kind of more, it's more that the Americans are are hopeful that someone will come in and save them. Not that the Americans are saying, by the way, we make Godzilla and Godzilla's the fucking coolest and someday he's going <laughs> to save America because... That's why we made him. It was all for it was all for us. USA, USA. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, like I think it's supposed to be read more positively. And I think the that the way they sidestep Godzilla's origins or reinterpreted it to be something that is more indicative of Japan's nature rather than America's mistakes. I think is is the important difference. But at the same time, I, t I absolutely totally get where you're coming from. I'm just, yeah. this is me spitballing where I, where I saw these little threads and what I thought they were trying to make of them. Because Liam is onto something. Because the 1998 version of Godzilla, when it came out here, <laughs> it, was, it was a terrible fucking movie. It, <laughs> but there was a good Rage Against Machine uh, song on the soundtrack, which is uh, No Shelter, and it's great. So download that, and that's the only remnants of Godzilla 1998 that you should take away from this. Uh, but what happened after that is that it awoke Japan, and Japan responded. Toho actually put out a film, I think it was two or three years later, and they rebaptized the Godzilla from the 1998 film to just Zilla. Yeah, I've seen this. And they I've had the this. original Godzilla destroy that fucking monster <laughs> on their own screen, just reappropriating the gods. If you guys are going to do Godzilla, you're not going to do him like this. So this was a stupid little Tyrannosaurus, and we're going to kill that one, and we're going to just take back Godzilla to us. Now, I know that Godzilla in Japan right now is gearing up for a new film. Now, I don't know if it's in response to the 2014 version. Mm -hmm. So I, I think it's kind of cool that Liam would have brought that up because... Perhaps, perhaps we are close to cultural appropriation here. I, I think that's what's what was fun, at least in the creation of this, was that Toho were involved. So, oh good, I feel I they, I feel they wouldn't okay a story sure. that reappropriated their 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 you know their main character, the the reason the company is as big here as it is. You're right. The logo's at the front of the movie. Why yeah, so I. Moral. So I just, um, I just, I would hope that this, they weren't just trying to pull a fast one on the company just to fuck them up. But, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, but I, I would, I would like to imagine that th because this was an affiliation that Toho are sort of using this as a step towards re-analyzing the character in their own terms, but they're piggybacking off the shared venture with the Americans to look into something more specific to Japanese culture than this was to Absolutely, American culture. Yeah, Okay, cool, cool. I completely forgot. I'm glad you brought that up. Anyway, so Jack, I want, I, 
I mean, like, wh- why why the fascination? I understand that you were talking about earlier. You say you don't know. You say you haven't watched the original. What is it about a giant fucking dinosaur that you like? <laughs> so, let me take you back to 1998. Good. When I was a wee lad and you were all hating the Godzilla film. I loved it as a child. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> nice. I thought it was, like, I'm aware now, looking back, and uh, did I rewatch it recently? Maybe. I'm aware that it's not a good film. And I'm glad they didn't make the sequel that they so desperately wanted to oh, make. Yeah. But that, like, watching that film, as a kid, I loved dinosaurs anyway. So seeing a film that was effectively a giant dinosaur, I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm fully on board. And then there was a GameCube game called Godzilla Destroy All Monsters. Oh, yeah. Which had... I remember that. that. And me and my friends used to play that all the time. <laughs> and I just, like, I fell in love with all the uh, different monsters and was like, oh, my God. There's like this whole universe yeah. of awesome creatures that want to beat each other up. So like, I just totally fell in love with all these monsters and like Ag- Agira, I think was one of them who the spiny lizard guy. <laughs> He's like, I love that thing. Uh, like King Ghidorah, Rodan, yeah. Mothra. I just, Heck. the whole universe I'm fascinated by. That's awesome. Do you read any of the graphic novels and stuff like that? No, I'm useless. I love it so much and then have totally avoided it. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing. Once you understand love more, it becomes less appealing. So maybe, maybe keeping it in this romantic phase where you never truly grasp what it means. Yeah, I'm sort of keeping it mystical. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you'll always be in love with Godzilla because you'll never. That's being on the show was a mistake because we are destroying it. We're trying to make something of it. But really, you just like to see a dinosaur fucking kill all this shit. I'm just gonna sit down and watch Godzilla later tonight and be like, "What the fuck?" Yeah. yeah. So uh, I guess you know if anybody wants to say anything else, uh, or do you want to go into final uh, thoughts on the film? Yeah, final thoughts on the film. I don't know, Jack. How about we start with you, man? I, I like hearing your voice. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Uh, yeah. No, I I just I I thought this film was so good. I think it's such a good re- like I know that there's you know possibly issues with cultural appropriate, although they were involved, so who knows, whatever. But <laughs> You know, it's cool going back to the sort of older style Godzilla. When you compare the way this Godzilla moves and stands to the 1998 one, which was very lizard-like and sort of crouched over, I think it's so cool that they've managed to sort of recreate that old style Godzilla in a way that works on screen. Definitely. Yeah, it's pretty good they didn't put a a guy in a suit. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I'm glad it wasn't properly old school. (laughs) But yeah, I thought this film was great. I love it. Cool. cool. All right. How about you, Liam? I understand that now I, I've just killed any interest in watching it again, and I apologize for that. <laughs> that that's fine. I I just I don't get the appeal with Godzilla. Like I do want to see the original out of curiosity, but this big lizardy dinosaur creature with little stubby arms that stomps <laughs> around, I just don't find it an interesting creature to witness. Um, D- don't forget the electric fire, Liam. Yeah, which you see like for about two seconds. Sorry, how could I possibly forget that bit? (laughs) And I I just, I think I wanted to like Godzilla more. I wouldn't have minded if I felt something towards Godzilla. Right. But I had nothing going on. So, therefore, I tried to look at the human characters and that gets just swept away too quickly. So I'm just left kind of floundering with no real thing to cling on to, to enjoy. Right. And I just don't think a Godzilla film should leave me yawning. That's, that, that I mean, that seems fair. I mean... Yeah, man, I mean, look at it. I, I think that's kind of cool because, look, look, we, we just reviewed Kong Skull Island, or kind of reviewed, and we just did... <laughs> 
Godzilla and Liam is clearly at opposites with us. And he's like, I, like I was bored by Kong and I was like, I should be enjoying this. I had the exact yeah. same reaction as you, man, on Kong Skull Island, you know? So I'm hoping that eventually I get back to Kong Skull Island and, and I'll keep everything you said in mind <laughs> and try to uh, appreciate it for what it is. Because I was just sitting there going like, fuck, why am I falling asleep? This doesn't make sense. But I, well, I totally understand where you're coming from. Hopefully when they put Godzilla and Kong in the same movie, we'll all find something to enjoy. Or hate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or something. All four of us I'm are trying to be young. <laughs> wow they really managed to, to tick new boxes that's incredible <laughs> yeah, i have to look at three years down the road when i'm 40 years old and still doing this podcast and i have to yeah. call back out to you guys and say hey you feel like going to talk about a giant lizard and a big fucking monkey <laughs> yeah. You're like jason who are you why are you still doing that the hell move on with your life man <laughs> yeah well i mean there's another godzilla movie slightly sooner down the line we could all suffer for that oh uh, there's no way they're going to make a good one I can guarantee yeah. it. If they do, if they do, glad like, hats off. But my my expectations are down the fucking toilet. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I have high hopes because they teased all the cool characters Jack was talking about in that post credit thing in in King Kong, in Kong Skull Island, and I recognized them. And I was like, oh yeah, you know what? If they got fucking King Ghidorah uh, yep. fighting Godzilla. You know that's 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 a that's a lizard laser guy fighting this three headed dragon dude. I, I what's not fun about that? I, I I'm way down to watch. It could be trash. It could be B movie material. Uh, but I yeah. guess I would be happier with that than something that wants to pretend to be bigger or better like Kong. I'd rather just get into it. Just fucking start watching monsters go at it. And that's fine. <laughs> Opening credits, just like you hear an in- an Inception blah, and then you just cut and you see Godzilla roar. You see the other three heads roar, and then it's just two hours of them beating the shit out of each other. Yeah, fuck it. That's avant-garde to me. <laughs> <laughs> oh man that'd be weird uh, so when it comes to uh my take on godzilla i i i i was surprised how much i got from the film i was surprised to enjoy it for what it looked like and for what it was trying to say or at least what i was picking up from what it was trying to say i think that the stock characters to me that makes sense it worked for me in the same way like i said about spielberg films we get like one direction for these characters and they just stick to that like the bible and there's very little change here nor there. And I, I've, it's worked before, and it kind of works here. Uh, I don't think it's a, a like a masterpiece or a, a, like a perfect movie in any way, but I do think it was really fun and worked well. And like kept my attention the entire time, both like with what I was looking at and what I was like thinking of in the back of my head. Like, what, what does it mean? What does it mean? You know, like I enjoyed it for that, but I could totally sympathize with the fact that this was probably a very very boring monster movie. Uh, where it's not quite Cloverfield and it's not quite uh, Kong v Godzilla or any other Godzilla film. It's just, it's like a slow burn, like 90% of the time. That's not, that's going to rub people up (laughs) like total wrong way. And I see there's little contrivances here and there, like the bomb thing. And the fuck, why the fuck Aaron, Aaron Taylor Johnson was in, like, why, like, he was, he just happened to be there each and every time. Like, even with the metaphor in the background, the actual plot itself just didn't really make a lot of sense. Uh, so that was, that was pestering me a little as I was watching it. But overall, I'm very positive about it, and I would absolutely recommend it to people to at least try. And if you hate it, well, yeah, well, what, what can I do? <laughs> awesome. Uh, my kids love it. I really love the film. I remember seeing it with Leslie. It was a really fun date, too. 
And yeah, man, I, I could go on for another two hours, but uh, Jack has had enough. Just, I don't <laughs> want to ruin anything right now. And Liam is like, can we move on from the giant lizard? I don't give a shit anymore. And plus, I've made him hate it more, so I've done my job. <laughs> I think you've just justified why he hates it. I don't think yeah, you, it was, really. you weren't, you like weren't the catalyst. Original. You were the explanation. There you go. It just happened to work on a level that I appreciate. You know, and I, I like the the reassessment of, of 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 Godzilla. You know, this this idea of going from from an assailant to a, a defender. Yeah, I think that's the way spirituality works. You know, you'll you'll have you know you can turn to something that's larger than yourself in times of need, and you know it'll be there waiting for you. And I thought that you know even the commentary on nature sometime it could be something a little bit more. I, I get annoyed by the, the whole nature discourse, but at the same time, I think that it was an important one. You know, talking about the nuclear waste that you were doing, that nature finds a way to balance itself out. I think there was, um, I think it was RogerEbert.com. There's a guy that did a review on RogerEbert.com, and he finishes it off. And I know I talked about George Carlin a little bit before. I think that he closes it off really, really well. And I'll just read the last paragraph. He says, after a while, the sight of soldiers shooting machine guns and grenade launchers at giant beasts becomes tragic, then hilarious. They might as well be <laughs> setting off firecrackers. Someone should cut a video mashup that weds Godzilla disaster footage, bridges snapping, skyscrapers crumbling, jets falling from the sky, to George Carlin's Save the Planet rant. We're going away, and we won't have much of a trace either. The planet will be here and will be long gone. Just another failed mutation, just another closed end, biological mistake, an evolutionary cul-de-sac. The planet will shake us off <laughs> like a bad case of fleas. And I think that that was brilliant to end his review like that. I don't know who the reviewer is. I'll find his name. Matt Zoller cites. And um, it's true. I think that, you know, Godzilla does, does great in showing us just how insignificant we are and how our little tools are. Even the, the bomb thing that Lee was talking about. I think it's a great way of showing us that nature will finally run its course eventually. Perhaps that's a naive way of looking at it, but that's the way I like it. I just like the idea that... Um... Godzilla is is actually God uh, in some form, and that someday, when we least expect it, giant lizards will float from the sky and show us the way to enlightenment. Uh, it's really all I ever wanted to hear. Uh, really playing on the God part. So, yep, that's that. I'm happy to call it a day with the lizard boy. Awesome. All right, so let's close this off, gentlemen. Nerd on nerd. Uh, one of my favorite podcasts. I thank you so much for coming on the show with us. It was a really fun discussion with you guys. Absolutely. And uh, I want to just, I'll let you guys take it away. I want you guys to plug the show. If you guys have a website and all that, where we can find you on Twitter, on social media. Well, firstly, thank you for having us. And then I'll let Jack take it, take it away with oh. uh, where our stuff is. <laughs> Good. Cool. We've got that organized really well. Yep. Uh, if, if people want to go and hear more of me and Liam falling out, which we didn't do much of this episode. Yeah, in kept, your channel, kept which it is... pretty together, really. Yeah, I know. Tragic. I'm, I'm proud of us. <laughs> <laughs> uh... You can find us on Twitter at NerdOnNerd, and uh, you can go to our SoundCloud, which is soundcloud.com slash nerd-on-nerd-pod. And all our stuff's on there, and, you know, links to other shit. So, go find us. Thanks, yeah, man. great. Uh, yeah, we, we totally um, promote the show. We, uh, like, I listen to it whenever. I, I think the episodes are more or less bi-weekly. Uh, I don't think it's weekly. <laughs> 
No, uh, yeah, it's bi-weekly. Yeah, I, I listen to the show all the time. Uh, it makes my commute that much better at some point in my week. So, uh, so <laughs> delighted to have you guys on. You've been absolutely the most patient, reasonable guests we've ever had. <laughs> uh, as we as we've indulged ourselves on fucking monster mythos <laughs> and fucking mythology and all that shit while you know everybody and the audience included just wanted to talk about the fucking monsters <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, I, I appreciate that and, and thanks again you, you chipped in great so uh, wonderful having you oh, thanks for having us thank oh, you this is great Lee, where can we find you, sir? Yeah, uh, so I'm at bigpicturereviews.co.uk. Unprofessional reviews for unprofessionals. Uh, yeah, if you want to see modern cinematic releases talked about in a myriad of different tones, that's that's the place to do it. Uh, you can also uh, follow me on Twitter at bigpicreviews. And uh, Jason's more of our, our social butterfly who's going to be the guy who's going to pick up any stray messages. But if you have a review or anything, you want to tag me in or you want my opinion or some shit <laughs> for whatever reason, uh, by all means, do. And I will absolutely get back to you because, you know, I, I'm not that active, but I'm also I have not that full in my life to, to, to ignore, please. <laughs> so, yeah, that's me. My name is Jason Michael. You can find me on Twitter. Uh, we've been appreciating the feedback that we've been getting on SoundCloud. Obviously, our Logan episode yep. has gotten a couple of comments on it. It was really, really fun. I want to thank Colin Llewellyn for uh, actually, again, big shout out to him. I want to give a big shout out to David Hart as well, who gave us uh, a fun time. Uh, I'm going to be listening to uh, their show. I think it was with War Machine versus Warhorse. I haven't listened to the Kong episode yet. I'm looking forward to that. Um, also, I want to give a big uh, shout out to Sheila obviously and uh chelsea williford who's been really really fun with us uh always lately uh, well always yeah not lately always she's always fun and i want to make a big shout out to hermione flavia who is going to be on our, either the episode you heard before this or the episode you're going to hear after this <laughs> we haven't made up our mind yet so that's it so you can find us on itunes as well at atlantic sc podcast uh we're on stitcher radio now as well and you can find us on overcast please leave us a nice review if you have time if you don't please take the time and that would really really mean a lot to us we're not presumptuous at all no not at all <laughs> fine time <laughs> thanks again everyone that's it for us this week take care bye bye bye, bye. Conversation can serve no purpose anymore. Goodbye. Uh, it just—it might seem bad to outsiders, I suppose, that we do—we do take the piss out of each other every now and then. <laughs> every now and. Uh all the time <laughs> yeah yeah but it's 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 meant out of love oh yeah definitely <laughs> or at least mutual respect yeah we we don't have that between us there is no mutual respect it is actually just unfounded hatred <laughs> <laughs> i want you to cut oh, i want you to keep that lee <laughs> <laughs>